Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hit it. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings Media Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined always by the great Cooper Klein and the wonderful Stone Hanson, and we are here to discuss uh, the draft. The draft, it happened um, we've taken a week off. It was the draft actually happened exactly a week ago today, and I've been chilling out, maxing, relaxing all day uh, or all week, I should say, and just trying to take it easy. I've not done a very good job of taking it easy. I've been stressed out my mind, but that's a story for another day. I'm excited to talk draft, though. I'm excited to kind of go back through. Uh, we are about like two days away from free agency. Some shit's about to get really real, especially for Coop and Stones teams. Uh, but you know, we'll get this out before that talk about draft first then we'll talk about some team building maybe later before we get to into the draft coopstone my friends how you guys doing i'm doing good um you know no more draft stuff so everything's switching to what my lakers are going to do in free agency i'm equally as stressed that we're going to blow that too um but uh, i'm excited uh for summer league coming up and you know hopefully meet up with some cool people and uh yeah this is a nice easy pod because uh, you know, there's no preparation or uh, anything really going into it with film. It's basically all just uh, just vibes. Yeah, excited to talk about uh, how my team won the draft and Stone's team lost the draft. So uh, let's hop right in. Let's just do it. That's uh, that. We're, we're just gonna have some fun. We're just gonna go right in. Uh, Coop, thank you for putting together this little thing for me and making my life way easy. We're gonna start with the Spurs. Uh, we're just gonna go down kind of by pick order, and then when we say a team's pick, we'll just go through their whole draft rather than grading pick by pick. And we will do grades, but I'll just say like, don't really hold us to it. I don't really care that much. Um, it, uh, putting a numerical grade on something like this is kind of silly, but we'll do it just for fun. Um. So the Spurs, of course, drafted Victor Wembanyama at one, and then they made some deal or such to move, I believe, from 33 down to 44, where they drafted fellow Frenchman G League Ignite wing City Sissoko. And then in undrafted free agency, they grabbed Serge Barty Rice. We're not going to talk too much about undrafted free agents. Coop just put a couple notable ones in here. There is actually one or two that will really swing my grades, but for the most part, undrafted free agents don't really matter right now. We'll talk about that later, but... Wemby Sissoko, it's a pretty good duo. I mean, obviously Wemby was the great was a great pick at one, but for me, Sissoko at forty four is a really solid pick. I ended up with 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 City at twenty six with a first round grade. I, I didn't think I would end up with him as a first round grade, but he ended up just barely sneaking in with a first round grade, and I was pretty pretty high on like him being a solid like connective wing. He's like a He's an if he shoots guy for me. If he shoots, I think he's a solid NBA player. If he doesn't shoot, he's not. But to get him at 44, to add that to a ring, a wing rotation that's already full of guys I like, or at the very least I'm interested in with Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, Kato Bates Diop. This was a pretty solid draft for me. Uh, I don't want to give my grade yet, but but Coop Stone, like, I mean, obviously Wemby, if you want to wax poetic about that. But in general, what do you think about this this duo of guys for the Spurs to lead with? Uh, it was an A plus draft for me. Like obviously, it's hard to not do that when you come away with Wemby. But uh, I mean, Sissoko at forty four to me, like for what that 
for who he is as a player and to get that at 44, obviously he's not Wemby, but in terms of the value of where you're getting that, like to me, I think it's not that far off. Like uh, he's, you're getting a really, really <clears throat> good player. Someone I think I had 17 on my board uh, and to get him at 44 is really good. And he's someone that obviously very much fits the Spurs, not just because he's, French, but because he's a really good ball mover, um, I think somebody that is a really good passer, um, I think defensively is going to you know turn out to be fine. So, I I think there's a lot there, uh, and a lot to mold and work with. Like I think Sissoko is a very moldable player player still for them, uh, and at the stage that they're at with you know uh, somewhat rebuilding still, um, I think that's really good value. So I, I was very in on that pick too. Gonna have to be a bit of a hater here. Um, they traded out of the Leonard Miller pick to take City Sissoko, and that the better G League player. They took they traded the best G League player other than Scoot, but um, for shitty Sissoko. Just kidding, City. I love you. Uh, he's great. I actually do really like the City fit, just like you guys said. But uh, like a young big forward rotation of of Miller and Wembenyama you know like those two playing together the funk would be off the charts uh you could run the biggest pick and roll of all time with those two and it would be incredible uh there's so many options and like especially under a great coach like Popovich that those two give you and uh it it really pissed me off that they traded Miller uh to go back for Sissoko but Sissoko's a great fit, great player. Can't go wrong with Wemby. I'll give him an A minus, an A, a flat, just to be nice. Yeah, I don't really give A pluses. I'm with you. Like trading out of the Leonard Miller pick and, and just in general, like some other guys that were there at 33. Like there are a couple guys who I, I struggle to say like like that I would have preferred them to Sissoko and getting Sissoko where they did. I also should note that we don't have like like uh, a ton of knowledge on where these contracts are at um so it's hard to say like you know if he's getting a two-way versus a full contract might change things i'd give him a full contract but yeah i mean they could have drafted leonard miller they could have drafted julian phillips or andre jackson who i i prefer both those players to um to city um but you know other than that like i don't think they passed up a ton of value to take him where they did so I'm going to give him an A. I don't give A pluses, but if I did, I mean, this would be an A plus draft just for getting Wemby. It's almost hard. Like, it's almost unfair, though. Like, how do you grade drafting the obvious number one guy? Like, at a certain point, that's just kind of luck. But let's let's move on to <laughs> the most interesting draft of anyone we're going to talk about. Like, this is hands down the most interesting, weirdest draft. That's the Hornets. The Hornets at two take Brandon Miller. Let's just focus on that for now. Um we obviously were all Scoot guys, uh, or even Amen. Like I, we all had either Scoot or Amen at two, with Brandon Miller in a tier below those guys, um, or at the very least, like a half tier below those guys. Um, I don't even think any of us had Brandon Miller at four, for whatever that's worth. Um, I think we all had someone else at four, um, and I just think that everything's wrong here from the process of like his fit next to, to Lamelo, I would argue Scoot is comfortably a better fit uh, for a lot of reasons, but mainly because um, you can't have too much real legit creation. And both those guys are great transition players on and off the ball. Both of them are uh, competent, but not elite half court creators. And I would say Scoot's burst 
actually would pair really nicely with Lamelo's um, kind of like slower paced pick and roll play in the half court. Um, Scoop being able to quickly get downhill, Lamelo being a great off ball shooter, um, and his vision against like you know tilted floors would be something I was really interested to see. You're just not going to see that because Brandon Miller does not create advantages. I think it's a misevaluation of who Brandon Miller is in general. Like, not just that he is, you know, even if you could delude yourself, like, we just need a fit. We just need a fit next to LaMelo. Brandon Miller is a better fit. I think you're, like, like I don't see that secondary shot creator, really. Like, that's, like, a very high bar for him that I don't trust him to reach. And and I just think, take that over Scooch. Take that over Ahmed. Players who I both think are better fits next to LaMelo. It's just, it's just such bad process to me. Coops, don't you guys have anything to add there or... You know, is that just kind of such just kind of it? It's just bad. It's just bad process. It's a bad pick. And to do it at two when passing on someone like Scoot is just uh, really rough. I think I'm higher on Miller than you guys, but even then, it's really tough for me to see anything other than a failure if you're not taking Scoot at two. Even if you took Almond, I think it would still be kind of a failure to me, like to not take Scoot at two. Uh, I just think that he was the clear cut two for me. And um, that's. I mean, that's that. Uh, I think it's a failure in the fact that they weren't able to maybe envision uh, Scoot and LaMelo um, playing, you know, um, simultaneously uh, because they just view LaMelo too much as a, a creator, as a point guard who's unable to play off the ball. And I think he's better off the ball. So uh, I think there's a lack of creativity there, a lack of um, just value understanding um even if you don't even if you thought miller was the better player i think most of the league the perception was that scoot was the number two guy in this class and i think you just take that value because of that um so yeah i i don't i, I think miller's going to be a good player but he's just not scoot so i think that's not a very good pick yeah, I have to agree. The one thing is is that like for Miller's like creation upside, we are one hundred percent going to see if if it's there at all in in Charlotte, um, like because they have nothing else from from a creation standpoint. It's him, Lamelo, and then Terry Rozier off ball play, and Gordon Hayward who plays thirty games a year. Right. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hayward gone this season, but I, I think we're a hundred percent going to see if what people saw in Miller is there at all. And I have my doubts obviously, but um, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Yeah. I, I think that's about all I got on that pick, but they did redeem themselves by taking someone who I actually had ranked above Brandon Miller uh, in Nick Smith Jr. at 27. I had Nick Smith Jr. at 10, Brandon Miller at 12. Obviously, those are not popular rankings. Uh, if you're going to be mad about it, go listen to our pods on them. Uh, they could use the listens. Um, but Nick Smith fell for a variety of reasons. The biggest ones seem to be worries about continued injuries. He obviously had an injury-riddled season at Arkansas. I thought it was kind of more of a limited one-time thing, but it seems like there was worries about further injury. So he fell all the way to 27. I think the process here is great, right? So for Nick Smith, I mean, he was teammates with Brandon Miller in AAU. They both played on Brad Beal Elite together. They won Peach Jam together. I thought Nick Smith Jr. looked comfortably like the better prospect out of the two on that Brad Beal Elite team. Um, I think that uh, at 27, it's just, I mean, best play. Like, don't worry about fit. Just best 
player available. Um, I think he should be able to play early. Um, but even if he doesn't, if you bring back Dennis Smith Jr., have a Smith Jr. duo in the backcourt up backup units, you know, I think Nick Smith Jr. should immediately compete with like James Booknight for backup two minutes and maybe some backup point minutes when guys are hurt. I just really like like how the the idea of taking Nick Smith Jr. here is really sound to me. And I just like his I just buy his upside. Like legit shot creator with legit shift. Um elite floater touch pull up touch step back touch all that stuff is great like he has all that in his bag to get that at 27 is really really it's something interesting to me and i really liked that pick they then traded into 31 i believe or or were they already at uh yeah they traded into 31 with the pistons um they traded i can't remember exactly the machinations there but they traded into 31 and drafted james nashi from fc barcelona um We'll talk about this pick as a whole, but I just don't really get it uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, and then at 41, they traded back a little bit. Or, or no, this was a pick they already had. They traded out of like 33 uh, or 34, I should say. Uh, and at 41, they drafted Amari Bailey. So in the end, they leave with a haul of Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., James Nashi, Amari Bailey. Stone, how do you feel about that group of guys? Uh, I like one of them. Um, <laughs> I think Nick Smith Jr. is. Uh, I had him ranked above Miller too by one spot. Him, him at six, and uh, Miller at seven. Uh, I thought it was a really good pick. Um, I think he's like probably their best bet. Uh, as a long term, um, off ball guard solution next to Lamelo. Uh, I think that, um, he. I mean, to me, it's you got two lotto picks now, like in the first, um, obviously, you know, it's not a very good pick at two, but, um, and it doesn't fully make up for it when you miss that high, but I thought that you do get a really good player. Obviously I had him top six on my own board. Um, so I thought being able to get him there at 26 is a really solid pickup. Um, James Najee to me, I didn't really have him as draftable. I don't think I would have drafted him and I don't really, see a reason to take him um but that's just me i know most people will disagree with that um and amari bailey actually did have a first round grade on him so i don't mind that pick um you know i guess it's just more guards there uh more guys that can maybe act as your off-ball guards your backup point guards whatever the case may be um they've had obviously like a rotating cast of of those sort of guys with maladon and dennis smith jr all those sort of guys. Um, so I guess to be able to get some more long-term assurance with that, that of prospects you can maybe develop, makes some sense. Um, so I don't mind the Amari pick. Uh, not a huge fan of the Najee pick, but uh, I'm a really big fan of the Nick Smith pick. So all together, I would grade them as like a, I'd give this a C, I think, a C draft um, because they missed so big, but I do like a couple of their later picks. My biggest problem with the Hornets draft is that I don't trust them to develop any of these players like properly. I think their development infrastructure sucks. Their coach is bad. Their front office or like their whole, the whole organization just, I don't think understands what it means to develop players. Um, Especially ones that are so particular. Like I think Brandon Miller is going to require a lot more development than people think to to hit to the level like even like as like just a top five guy and not like going two in this draft 
but I think he's going to require a lot of development. I think Nick's going to need a solid amount of development as much as I love him. I think I was the highest of us all on him. I like the pick in a vacuum. Um, Najee, I don't know what the hell they're doing. If you like Najee, I don't know why you would like this pick even because they have 40 other bruiser bigs in, in that front court that all do the exact same thing and don't add anything else. And I don't see what Najee adds uh, that a Mark Williams or how am I forgetting? Nick Richards. Nick Richards. Uh, now I have to pull up their name, their roster, because I embarrassed myself. Kai but... Jones. I mean, there's not like a top. They actually, because I believe they got rid of um, someone else. But like JT Thor's on this roster. He's not like a bruiser big, but, you know. He's oh, they, kind cut of the, like... they cut the two I'm thinking of. Burning Carey and yeah, Carey and the the other yeah, they cut the other two Bruiser bigs, but they basically have cycled through every single NBA Bruiser big since they got Dwight Howard. So uh, I'm still technically correct here. Um, I don't, <laughs> I still don't like that pick. Amari, really nice off ball. Um, I just don't know what they're gonna do with him. Like, oh Amari, you're the point guard now, even though you can't dribble because that's what position you say you are. Like, I don't know. I have no trust in, no faith in this team. I, I don't trust them to do anything properly. And I got called out a little bit on Twitter for it today when I said that, but I, I just don't, I don't know what player they've developed basically in their entire time of running a team. So uh, good draft in a vacuum. Like in, in a vacuum, I'd say this is like a B, even with the absolute screw up of, of taking B mill super high, but because of, the team that did it, I'd, I'd give it like a C minus. I, I I think that's a great point. And I also think it's like, it's notable how similar like the archetypes they continue to draft are, right? Like I like Amari Bailey. I think there's some funk there. Like, you know, he's kind of like a weird combo of Scotty Lewis and, um, and uh, James Booknight, you know, but I like Bailey. I think Bailey's good. I, I don't like Najee that much. I was higher on him than Stone and I think maybe higher on the Coop. Just because the youth plus playing in that league, like I think the minutes lacking is is a little worrisome for me because the biggest thing he needs is minutes. He needs to play, so that's why like I'm very against them like bringing him over if he's not going to be in the G League because he needs to play. He needs to play a lot. The instincts are not there. Technique and drop is pretty hit or miss. I would say kind of leaning towards bad. He has moments. He's obviously huge. He's long. He can get up um you know and and i didn't like mark williams much either and and he looks like he's gonna fit and be a starting center there that's fine um you know i'm with you like if you just look at this collection of talent you're like okay a team walks out here with brandon miller nick smith jr and amari bailey it's like okay that's three guys i had in my top 40 like that's pretty good but i just i mean when you combine that they passed on scoot and all man nick smith i like but you're right like how comfortable am i betting them to develop amari bailey i like What's his like? I feel like he needs a team that's going to put him in a more creative role, maybe. But uh, so I just I, I leave this draft to give them a C minus. It's not horrible, but it's just not something I'm into. Moving on to the Trailblazers, this was a pick where there was much hubbub, and I think as soon as this pick wasn't traded, I kind of knew we were in for a pretty quiet draft. That's what I'll say. I thought that would be uh, that was kind of the the path we were on. They drafted Scoot Henderson at three, Chris Murray at twenty three, Ryan Repair at forty three. Um, I'll just go quickly on them. Scoot is absolutely the right pick. That's a home run for me. Um, as much as I like Amen, I and and I for some teams I would have preferred Amen. I think 
if you're the Trailblazers and you're at this point where you don't know if you're going to try and be good with Dame and you might trade Scoop for the highest, you know, value or whatever, or you might trade Dame and start a rebuild, Scoop's the guy I want there because he's probably the one with the highest trade value. And he's also the one with the most, like, I know what this guy is and I don't have to have a pre, like, I don't have to play around with the infrastructure around him too much to get him to succeed because I know what he does. I know I want him to run a ton of pick and roll. I know I want to put shooters around him with a good role, man. And I know that I want to play fast. Perfect. You know all that with Scoot. With Amen, again, as much as I love him and I buy Amen's ops upside, there's a lot more questions. Do you want him with the ball? Do you want him off the ball? Do you want him playing in a movement scheme? Do you want him playing in a more stagnant one-to-one scheme? You know, like there's questions with Amen that I you just don't have with Scoot. So I like taking Scoot there. Chris Murray at 23, it's a reach for me. Uh, I had Chris Murray at, what did I have him at? Uh, I had him very low on my board, uh, obviously, as you could tell. I had him at 50 on my board. Um, I think his whole cell is shooting. I don't think he's a particularly good shooter. I don't think he's a very good defender. He's an okay rebounder. He's strong. He might stick just because he's he's big and long and you know it seems like a good guy plays hard that type of stuff but there's nothing about his game i really actually buy um draft pow did some great stuff like comparing his to keegan's numbers and it's like if you compare those two like keegan murray is a inc- like like a much 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 better shooter going back multiple years even though there was a year where keegan shot like 27 percent from three in college like they're just not the same type of shooter um, Ryan Repair at 43, I'm more okay with, I guess. Like, I had Repair um, also pretty low. I had him at 54, but I actually don't mind that bet here for this team. Like, he's an okay wing defender. That's about it. You know, if you can teach him to shoot somehow, okay. I, I give this draft a B plus just because Scoot is good. He's the right pick there. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Coop? Yeah, like you said, love the scoop pick. I'm actually reverse. You well, I actually don't like either of their other picks. Chris Murray pick. Um, you could tell they kind of tried to go for like let's gun for the safer guy and then the more project guy, and they ended up getting two guys who I don't think Chris Murray is super safe. Uh, I think he's like a funky bet to like kind of shoot and have some versatility as a shooter, and that's kind of it. And repair is like your betting on whether or not he can do anything on offense at an NBA level. Uh, And I don't think he's like a God tier defender, like someone like an Alex fudge and he's not as big where you can kind of like slot him in at the big man spot. Um, I just, I don't super buy either of them, (laughs) especially on this team. I kind of like Chris and like, you know, some coming off of pin downs, not like full motion stuff, but relocation threes uh, move around on the perimeter uh, you know, just space out the floor for Dame and Scoot and, and do good stuff there. But I, I don't know what Ryan does on this team. And I, I don't like, I guess they have a G League team now and, and they can just throw him down there and see if he's anything. But I like he couldn't do anything in the Australian League. And I, I don't see why he'd be able to do anything in the NBA offensively. Um, fine project to get in the 40s. There were a lot of guys I would have just preferred um seems like they're kind of trying to straddle the line between contending in in quotation marks because they weren't even a playoff team last year contending and rebuilding and you can't do that in the nba it just never works you got to pick one or the other and uh trailblazers still have it yeah i mean it's hard 
to say they didn't do really good when Scoot just basically fell to their lap, right? Like they made that obvious selection, but they made the right obvious selection. Um, so I obviously love the Scoot pick. I, I don't know what direction they go long term, but I don't think it really matters. I think regardless, you take Scoot uh, if you're keeping that pick. So that's what they did. And I like it. Um, I I had Chris Murray as like a late first for me. Uh, so it wasn't that huge of a reach. I would have gone some other ways with this team. Um, he wouldn't have been my first pick at 23 for sure. Uh, and yeah, repair. I just didn't have a dra- as a draftable guy. Like, I don't think that's someone you really take in this draft. Um, I don't really foresee him being an NBA player. Um, there's a lot better picks to me that were available that they could have made. Uh, just really didn't like that pick at all. So, um, overall, I would give them like a uh, a minus just because of they made the the right pick at three with Scoot. Oh, let's talk about Coop's team, the Rockets. They drafted Ahmed Thompson at four, uh, and they drafted Cam Whitmore at 20. Um, there were some rumors that came out that they might take Cam Whitmore at four, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but then he falls to 20. They don't even have to move up to get him. Uh, this would have been an A draft had they traded like KJ Martin and 20 and a future first to move up to 12 and to take Cam Whitmore. So to get him at 20 is great. I don't love the fits here. I don't love this this team's roster build, but this is a master class and just take the best player and figure it out later. I'm in at four, best player available. Cam Whitmore at 20, best player available. Love both those picks. I don't have a ton of analysis here. Um, like I said, the fit is super questionable. I think this team is built really shoddily. Um, and because of their draft mistakes in the past, they have some issues, but um, you know, I like it. I, I, I don't have much to add here. Stone. Uh, oh, I should, this is an A draft. This is, the second A I've given out of this top four, uh, but it's an A. Stone? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing. Like, really good picks. Um, You couldn't have picked any better picks at either of those positions. So you have to give an A-plus for me. Like, that, uh, if you take the, the best pick at both times, then, you know, you can't give any sort of other grade. Um, I don't think that it's best to have like, all your best players – uh, operate 15 feet and inwards um they're gonna have to figure that out but uh i think that you know ultimately they made the best selections for where they were slotted and hard to give anything outside of an a plus yeah very excited about this draft um Amen thompson being on my favorite team dream come true um second year in a row that the rockets have gotten my favorite player in a draft after they basically humiliated me during the 2021 draft. So this is they them paying me back for my suffering. Um, I think the fit is kind of weird, but I would like to see Amin at point guard. Um, you know, I think we're, we're going to see a vet there at to start, but uh, I think there's a real chance Amin takes that over at least to some degree by the end of the year. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to see that. And then Whitmore, I mean, I think I technically, I might have had a better pick available. Like, oh, they should have taken Leonard Miller by my board. And it's like, eh, or Nick Smith. And it's like, I don't think that was going to happen. But I think the Cam Whitmore, his potential, incredible, uh, great off-ball wing uh, who can, you know, hopefully they'll give him some time in the G League and see if, you know, there's like the top four or five pick upside that people saw with him. I I don't think it's there, but I, I think just a perfect off ball wing to get at 20 
elite role player going to be an absolute killer. And this is uh, this Rockets team is arguably the most athletic team ever at this point. the The amount of high end athletes on this team is is absolutely absurd. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's all fair. Uh, I don't know the nineteen sixty Celtics; those were some of the, that was the fastest collection of Buckaroos. Uh, never mind. Uh, all right, the Pistons at five take Osor Thompson, and then as I, I can't remember the exact machinations here, but they traded thirty one to the Celtics, who had previously traded for the twenty fifth pick to move up to twenty five to take Marcus Sasser. For me, with this draft, I like Sasser a lot. Starting at 25, I had Sasser at, I believe, 20 on my board. Um, yeah, at, at uh, or excuse me, at 23. But still, I like him a lot at 25. I actually had a Star Thompson at 22. And that kind of explains my issue here. I just think there's a lot better guys on the board. I thought a Star kind of got boosted by Ahmed in general. Um, I think he is a notably worse defender. A, a less functional athlete though still a great athlete don't get me wrong but less functional um he's not the ball handler or passer that Amen is and I don't think he's like such a better shooter that it really makes it worth it like I I, I I think he's probably an NBA player but I'm just not comfortable with him at five with some of the guys still on the board even given the idea that this is a somewhat weak class um but Sasser 25, I really like. Get a veteran in here. I think there's a chance he starts at point by the end of the year. I really do. That is crazy as that might sound, um, you know, uh, just given how things kind of go for teams like this sometimes. But either way, I expect him to provide rotational value early. He can shoot off the ball, which is exactly what you want on a team that has Ivy and Cade and now Asar, who's a kind of another type of, you know, creator bet-ish. Uh, so to me, this is a C-minus draft, even though I really like Sasser. Um, I just, a star at five is just not anywhere near the value I want. So i uh, got to be a C minus. Coop? There are only two shooters on this entire roster um, that, like, I expect to stick around. I guess three, if you count, um, you know, Boyan or what's the other, the guy who barely played last year. Um, how, I'm forgetting people's names like crazy. This is awful. You're going but, crazy today. I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, Cade barely uh, played last year, if that's who you mean. No, no, because, I mean, Cade's shooting numbers, they completely ruined his jumper. Um, So I'm going to stall while Isaiah Livers. Um, It's like Livers, Sasser, and Boyan, and then no other player on this entire team can shoot. Uh, Ozar can't shoot. Cade can't shoot right now. Ivy, if you squint hard enough, he can shoot. Killian can't shoot. Dern can't shoot. Wiseman, Bagley, uh, Stewart. Like, there is nothing there. And at a certain point, <laughs> you need to at least pretend to be a competent offense and not just be trusting every single player on the roster that like you care about as part of your core to develop a shot at the same time. Um it's like I like all these guys individually. I don't like mashing them all together and just kind of praying that something works uh, or praying that one of them figures out how to shoot and then that the rest figure it out. And like I, I think that it's going to stunt a lot of their developments. Um, and I, I like Ozar more than you guys. I don't hate that pick. And I love the Sasser pick, obviously. I mean, he's probably the best shooter on the team right now. Uh, I, I think he should start. Like, like he's just really, really good. 
find a way to start all your best players and Sasser makes everyone's life easier. Um, but he won't because they're going to play two bigs and then three guard wings who can't shoot because that's what they love to do in Detroit. And I, I like the potential, but I don't buy Azar's shot. I don't buy most of the guys on this team shot. And, uh, I I'm, I'm kind of worried about the Pistons. So it, I, I give this like a B in value and like a C from a process standpoint. Yeah, I just think this was a bad draft. Um, I think that uh, there's way better picks to be had at five um, rather than a SAR. I just don't really see it. Um, your best, all your best guards are all not very much floor spacers and you just invested a top five pick in another one of those types of guys uh when you have a bunch of bigs that also are some of them are really good and none of them can shoot um to me saster i I don't know if i would have really traded up for him um especially again you have so many guards on this team um i guess this means you're giving up on the lotto equity that you spent on killian hayes which fine i guess it's been long enough He's still a fine backup to me, but um, Sasser doesn't move the needle, needle not nearly enough for me to really view this as anything more than like a, a D at best. Um, I thought this was just a, a pretty poor draft. I'll push back just a little bit on the, the like Sasser means you're giving up on Hayes thing. I think Sasser can just fit with anyone. Like Sasser's one of those picks where I think if you any drafting him basically anywhere on my board past 20 would have been a dub pick because he could fit with any team. I think he can do, he can play multiple roles. I just, I really like him. I, you know, I'm very high on Sasser. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm at moving on to the magic who had two lottery picks. Um, I believe they're the only team to take two lottery picks. So uh, shout out them. Uh, they took Anthony black at six and jet Howard at 11. Um, this is one I kind of sat with for a little bit. Anthony Black at six, I think I've determined I really like. Um, I like that they took a bet on someone who can maybe play the point. I actually had Anthony Black at six. Um, I might have taken Kassan or Grady Dick above him for this team, but uh, they, the, you know, not taking him is not the end of the world. I like Black a lot. Um, I don't know exactly what his role looks like on this team, but they're young enough that you can take the time to figure it out. He's a great defender. He can really pass. He's a great transition player. We'll boost this team in that realm. Um, figure out if he can be a half-court playmaker. If not, figure out if he can shoot. And if not, then he's still a valuable bench wing. Like, I think there's plenty of upside there for him. Um, and then with Howard, I think I kind of come down on just not liking this pick, even though I do like Howard. I think Howard can really shoot. I think he'd be a movement shooter. I think he can hit some shots off the dribble and he has some shift to create space and be like a scorer in that way. But Grady Dick was on the board and I think Grady Dick is just a better fit. He's just a better basketball player. Um, and I just, you know, even like I would have heard even like a Bryson spot, you're probably so where I come down, I come down. I, this is a B draft for me. This is like a perfectly like average draft. You have two lottery picks, you hit a double with one of them. And then, you know, you hit like a like a hard line out to third, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's not a bad draft. And, and Howard, I think they drafted two NBA players at least. Like, I think Howard is going to stick. Um, but I'm just not – it just wasn't a great pick. Uh, and even Black, I don't think it was like a great pick. It was just a solid right pick. Um, so that's where I'm at. Stone? Yeah, this is just such a weird draft to me. Not necessarily good or bad. Um, 
I mean, to me, Black was like very clearly my best player available at this point in the draft. So uh, hard to knock them too much. The shooting is a concern when your four best players now, presumably, uh, are all like pretty much not the best floor spacers and are all at their best getting downhill. Like, I think that is a reason for concern. Um, I do think that Anthony Black is a really good bet. I've talked about this for a long time in regards to the magic of them needing somebody to just elevate the rest of the foundation that they have. And I think Anthony Black can do that. Um, but again, how far he can do that without, uh, you know, your four best players being able to really shoot at a reliable level or high volume, like I think that limits some of that. Um, Jet Howard, I just didn't like the pick. Like, I think that's a good process of getting a good shooter. Um, and I think of all the teams that can maybe get away with this, it might be the magic just because they have the, the, um, you know, infrastructure of playmakers and rebounders and a bunch of guys that can do everything that jet can't do. Like they'll always have those sort of guys around him. But to me, jet is very much like, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of ancillary skills at all. And I think is going to struggle, struggle defensively a lot. So I had him as like a barely as a late first for me uh, on my own board. And I think taking him all the way at 11 is just a big reach. Um, but again, of all the teams, I think the magic can kind of get away with it. So there's flaws with both picks, but there's like, you can understand it. So I also come away with this with like just a, a B, like an even B for me. Uh, Amplag was the best pick num numerically on my board, but I would have preferred a Kassan or even like a, like, I really like the fit with Nick Smith. He would not have gone that high, but um, just adding more shooting from the guard spot, especially when you have somebody like Paolo, um, I think I would have preferred, especially with like a Kassan who also brings so much defensively, not going to like super nitpick because I still really like just build all six, seven plus playmakers who can drive and, and do stuff and, and figure it out from there. But then not taking Grady Dick kind of inexcusable. We already have like super harped on it, but I, I just don't as much as your right stone, like they have the infrastructure to insulate him. I think the offensive firepower that you get out of Grady Dick, who is one of the best off ball movers I've ever scouted Franz Wagner, all time, like off ball player can attack closeouts, Paolo Ant black, Wendell Carter, just the pure genius and size that you're putting on the floor. If you get a Grady Dick is maybe like fit doesn't matter at that point because you're just so like, there's so like the, the collective mind of that team is so massive. And I, I, I think they kind of overthought it. I, I think Jet Howard will be able to shoot and just shoot the piss out of the ball, but he's he's not as good of a shooter as Grady. And it, at the end of the day, even if you don't super love Grady, it's as, it's as simple as that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Wizards, who traded up one spot to take Talal Kulabali at seven and then drafted Tristan Vucevic at 42. Um, I think where I'm at with this draft, this is the draft I've maybe spent the most time thinking about, is that... I like the ambition. I like the process. I really do. I think these are two really sound process picks. I just come across lower on these players than the Wizards. 
Um, and that's just where I'm at. I, I, I don't buy the creation upside with Bilal. I'm not confident that he's like some elite shooter either. I think he's kind of like a right now very uncertain offensive player in general. Like there's a world he is Mo Harkless or um I'm trying to even think of another like who was who are some other old Portland Trailblazers who were only cut and finished because they couldn't they couldn't fucking draft a shooter to save their life. Um, you know, defensively, I think he's good, not great. I think he's very academy brain right now, but he's young and he's athletic and he has some moments as a handler. If you watch the new 19 stuff, I just don't buy that as much. Um, if you teach him to shoot, he's probably definitely an NBA player. Um, it's not like this is like Sekou Dumboya who just like stinks. Like Bilal has more to his game than that. Um, and Vucevic, like I don't love, but I actually like, I don't know, like he can pass a little bit. He could shoot it for a seven footer. Like, I think there's, if he wants to, he could probably be a good third big in the league. That has some value. Uh, the defense is never going to be there, but I think he can be a plus offensive big. And at 42, that's not bad. You get a stash guy. I'm going to give this draft a C where I don't hate it. Um, and I, like I said, I like the ambition. I like the process. There's just nothing that, that really sticks with me. Coop. Yeah, I don't love Bilal. I really am, like, very into going and getting your guy. Like, they they beat the Thunder in a, in a bidding war to uh, to get their guy. Even if I don't super love him, uh, you know, I have to respect that. Like you said, I, I think it's a lot more like a win of process and a win of uh, this front office. The, the old Wizards front office would have never done this. Right. They would have just, oh, well, I guess we'll get Jarris or whoever falls next. Like, we'll get our guy who falls here. We'll get our, our, our international player at eight instead of seven. Um, but I, I really, I like what the front office is doing. I, in theory, like Vucevic. Um, I don't think he's like anything special, but he can kind of shoot and kind of do stuff on offense. And maybe that's real. <laughs> and like, if he's seven feet tall and can actually shoot, that's like a player even if the defense stuck sucks, which it does. Um, I'd give this like a B plus process and like a C minus results. Uh, you know, if you really like Bilal and I, I kind of like, like just seeing if like this team is perfect for, for kind of like the, the Brandon Miller pick, like this team is perfect for seeing if Bilal can actually do this stuff. I don't think he can. And that's why I'm lower on him, but yeah, I think it'll be a really good opportunity to give him the chance to show that he can or can't do it. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Um, I look, there's a lot of wizards fan I interact with. Um, and I think listen to this pod. Um, and I'm really happy that they're happy. Uh, and I want them to enjoy this for sure. Um, but I'm sorry, this is an F for me. Like I, I think that I, I had Koulibaly at forty on my board, um, where I get the process of taking someone you really believe in. I've been there before. I had like I flame myself all the time, right? I have had um, Kevin Knox top ten. I had Kai Jones top five. Like I've had my fair share of misses, and I think. Uh, I like to have think that I learned a little bit. Obviously, they're very, very different prospects, but just in the oversimplification of really buying into the development of a guy that is like 
fairly far away from the outcome. Um, it's not somebody I'm willing to take, you know, top 10 anymore, especially at seven. Like that's just way too high for me. Um, I, I get swinging for the fences. I'm not really sure the wizards have the veteran like infrastructure to really put him in the best development path on the court. Um, I also am really not a fan of the Vucevic pick at 42. Uh, I think I had him like in the seventies or eighties on my board of someone I would prioritize maybe as a two way guy, but to take somebody like that all the way up in the high forties to me is just the value is too stark for me to like either of these picks enough to give it anything other than an F. Um, even if I somewhat agree with the process, it's just too strong of a value difference for me to really buy into it. Um, so I'm going to give it an F. That's fair. I should also note that like, I'm not really scrutinizing most of these second round picks because we have no idea what the contracts look like. And there's a chance that if a team was just not going to take a, like they only want to take a guy they could stash or they only wanted to take a guy they can give a two way. It's hard for me to be super uptight about my value. Now I, I have my issues with like owners who aren't willing to just like, I, I think the NBA should make teams give their second round picks, uh, you know, some sort of like, if you're a top 45 pick, you should have to get a real contract. If you're a back 15 pick, you should have to at least get a two way, but, or be stashed, but that's a, that's a tale for another day. Um, moving on to the Pacers who traded back, got those two seconds, still got their guy at Jarese Walker at eight. Then at 26, drafted Ben Shepard at 47, Mojave King, and at 55, Isaiah Wong. This is a pretty rough draft for me, even though, like, I, I like I think Jarris is an NBA player. You know, I get you get that guy at eight. I think he he's a very good passer. Um, I just don't really like like his fit here, I guess. And and uh I thought there were better players on the board, like much better players. I would have died to see Grady Dick here in uh in 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 Indiana I just I for, with, with Walker I see he's a bit overrated defensively and the offense is uh, like enough of a question mark that I'm not sure he's great at anything I actually do like his fit if he's going to play the five next to Halliburton but um you know I I think they're going to probably put him at the four and I just don't love that um Ben Shepard at 26 I had Ben Shepard uh in my like priority summer league guys i think um fair fairly low i thought that um you know he's a he's a solid outside shooter not really a move i had him at 87 technically um you know solid outside shooter um not really a movement shooter not really someone who finishes at the rim well not super athletic high motor and i think that's probably a lot of what they buy into he's older we all know they like that that's also just another two guard on this team like how many shooting guards do you need um and i think the biggest sin for me is to take ben shepherd when bryce sensabaugh still on the board um at 47 they drafted mojave king perfectly fine with that pick i, I had mojave as a two-way guy 47 i'm guessing they're going to draft him to give him a two-way i'd say a wong at 55 um again like probably a fake pick don't hate it. Like he's kind of funky. This team, I, I, I don't know. I wish they would have taken more bets on wings, um, like real wings. Even Mojave King is like six, 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 seven, probably. Like he's a three, but he's like barely a three. You know what I mean? Like I wish they would have drafted like like two more actual threes and fours. Like that would have been really helpful. But this is a D draft for me. It's not horrible. Like again, like I think you got at least one NBA player. Uh, I think King is a solid bet at an NBA player. Wong and Shepard, I'm not really in on, but I could kind of see the vision with Wong. Um, and with Shepard, I like, I think there's a chance he is an NBA player again, but like, 
I just don't really see what his value is. I don't again. I don't think he's a good defender. Um, but I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. Coop. I'd love the fit for Jarris. Uh, not great value by my board, but this is the best landing spot for Jarris in the entire draft, in my opinion. Uh, ben Shepard, not a super guy, but in my opinion, I don't love that pick. Uh, love Mojave. Uh, I think he can kind of shoot and kind of do boring stuff, and that's what the Pacers love, boring players. And uh, Mojave will fit right in. Isaiah Wong, not a Pacers player because he is entirely funk, but – um, I mean, he'll probably just go to their G League, float around, see if he's anything. Uh, and, and I want to believe in him. You know, real rim pressure guards like that are, are, are pretty tough, and he can do it on and off ball, which is interesting. Um, but I, I do just really like Jarris as a short roll guy next to Halliburton. I think if there's anybody who like can really just like – if you have Halliburton and a, a strong short roller like that, Allie's not like 100% always able to get into the paint at, at, at will. And he can just toss the rock to Jarris and do stuff like that. He's so good at like at jump passes, <laughs> you know, to the roller, to shooters. Um, and, and I think Jarris can really benefit with that. Even like playing with Miles Turner, I think interior passing can be nice there. Or Miles Turner on the perimeter, he can make nice kickouts. Uh, you had a, a real variety of passing there. Um, I didn't shit enough on the Ben Shepard pick, uh, but there are like 40 guys who I would have preferred them to take over Ben Shepard and who could have made this team more interesting. Um, like there's a world where they, uh, where they could have taken Bryce Sensabaugh and had Jarris Sensabaugh and like whatever wings they wanted the second round. Maybe they keep King and Wong and just probably been the winners of the draft from a fit standpoint. But they end up with Ben Shepard, who can only hit like a one-two pull-up midi. And uh, I guess they'll have to live with it. Yeah, um, I'll give this a C-plus, I think, um, draft. And I had Drace like 10 spots lower than this. I think Hendricks would have been like an awesome pick here. Um, I didn't really view Drace as a lotto guy. Um I think that, that, yeah, I mean, if you want to know more about it, listen to the pod or read on the website. I, I write about it there. I won't go super long into that. Uh, ben Shepard, um, I think I had like, I liked him more than you guys. I think I had him like as a mid-second type of guy, but with who was still available, uh, wouldn't have picked him this high. Um, just not really a fan of, of taking a guy who's I view as more of just like a solid second round bet uh, in the, you know, mid first, that's just too much. Uh, Mojave, I really liked. I had him right about round 47. So I think that checks out. And Isaiah Wong, I think I had the, like 10 spots lower than this, but 10 spots this far down in the draft isn't really that big of a deal. So um, overall, like, I think their hole is okay. Um, it's it's very average to me. It's a C plus. It's, it, it, it's not super special. I don't think they had any home run picks here. Um, and I think there there were a lot more better picks to be made with some of their selections. Yep, I think that's all fair. Let's go on to the Jazz, who had a very interesting draft. They drafted Taylor Hendricks at nine, Keontae George at 16, Bryson spot 28. I kind of didn't think they would keep all these picks, but I like them making three first-round picks in like the first year of a rebuild like this. I think it's uh, a sound, smart strategy. 
Um, I like Hendricks a lot at nine. I, I feel like he was sort of a BPA pick for them. I would have preferred Kassan Wallace, but, um, you know, I, I, beggars can't be choosers. I think Hendricks, I had them in the same tier. Hendricks is a more than solid pick here for me. Um, really good shot blocker, really good shooter. Maybe the safest guy, like, outside of the, like, top two, outside of Scoot and Wemby. Um, and then, you know, I like Amen. Amen's probably a little less, quote-unquote, safe. But, like, Taylor Hendricks is just going to be an NBA player. Like, he's – that that skill set is just too valuable for him not to be, in my opinion. Um, then they take Keontae George, 16. Did not really like this pick. I don't hate it. Uh, Keontae George is another guy who I think – has a solid chance to stick is like just a really good shooter, a solid, but not great defender um, at the point of attack, but he's just not really a point guard. I have him at 21 on my board. This isn't a crazy reach. And I would have been more mad at it. If Bryce Sensabaugh wasn't there at 28 and they draft Bryce Sensabaugh, I had Sensabaugh at eight on my board. Um, I obviously didn't factor in injuries. Injuries is why he fell, but if he's healthy, I mean, you're talking about a legit shooter shot creator get to the hole a little bit under just an underrated like driver as well got better as a passer throughout the year um just a really really good basketball player who's also 6-6 plays at the wing can fit with other players um the defense is a question obviously but at 28 I'm not too worried about it um I'm a little hurt because they could have I mean imagine a draft where they walk out with Hendricks Derek at 16 and then since about 28 so I can't completely excuse them for drafting George at 16 but also you know, if you think of it like, you know, if in my brain I switch around, they take Sensabaugh at, six, at 16 and George at 28, I leave this draft very, very happy. So I'm going to give this a B plus, I think. I think Sensabaugh was one of the steals of the draft. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at. Uh, Stone? Yeah, um, I, I have the same exact grade, B plus for me. Um, I think... Hendricks was really good pick here. Um, I think, you know, obviously they didn't have Collins beforehand, but even when they just had their team without Collins, like uh, it's sort of funky with the amount of bigs that they have. Um, but the fact that, you know, Hendricks and Larry can shoot the way they do allows it to work a bit. Um, I don't love Keontae at 16, but it's not a super reach. I had him at like 23 on my board. Um, there are better players available to me, but it's not that like massive of a reach. Uh, I think that it's a fine pick here, I guess. Uh, and Sensaba, I had, I believe I had him 10 on my board. So, um, this is obviously a really good pick to get him 18 spots lower than that. And somebody that I think, uh, can really be a high level score for them, uh, in, in shooter. So they got a lot of shooting out of this draft, which is cool. Um, I guess now they should, you know, maybe look to turn towards more playmaking, but, um, uh, for what they got out of this draft, I think is a pretty solid haul. Yeah. I love the sensible pick. Hendricks pick is fine. The fit is really weird there. Um, but you can't really go wrong adding just a great defensive player next to Lori Markinen, uh, someone who can really shoot kind of be an outlet. I think he can move the ball a little bit and can at least dribble in a straight line. Um, the sensible pick, if he like actually plays, I mean, we'll see if they like bench him behind Ochai or, or something like that. But I, you know, elite shooter, probably the second best shooter in the draft, elite shot creator. Um, I would love to see him just be tasked with playmaking and see if like the shot 
can really like allow him to open up more simple angles and stuff like that. I, I think they're going to give Keontae more of that responsibility. I think he at least showed at Baylor that he can keep the ball hopping. And I think that that's something that the jazz want to do, uh, you know, offensively, not my favorite pick. I think I'm the lowest of, of Keontae of all of us, but I don't hate him. Like he's for sure a first round guy for me. Um, and they got three good players. And even though I don't love the fit of any of them, really, even like Sensabaugh, it's like I, I go for the talent, but the fit is still kind of weird with all like the lack of playmaking that they have on the roster. Uh, that's a win, right? Like you're building a great surrounding infrastructure with this draft. Um, no matter what you think of these three guys, they're all going to shoot. They're all going to at least pretend to defend <laughs> and like be young, be tough, and play good basketball. And that's all you can really ask for, um, especially for a team that's still kind of looking for their star and they're not going to try and rush things. So I, I, I like the draft. I'd probably give it like a B. All right, let's move on to the Thunder here at 10. Um, they drafted – or they traded with the Mavericks. I believe they traded like a future first or something – not into all that value shit. That's not my game. Uh, but they drafted Kassan Wallace, and I was very excited. I thought this was a great pick. Did not see it coming, to be completely honest. Um, I I know they wanted Bilal. I think they drafted a better player at 10 than Bilal at 7. Um, so I thought that was a great pick. The value some people didn't like. Smarter people than me were saying that they gave up too much to move up two picks. I don't really care. They got their guy. Um, they have a million picks. Like if there's one team for whom it does not matter, it's a team that's already full of NBA players that also has a ton of picks and is good at making picks and drafting NBA players. Like Gasson projects to really fill a role for them early. I think there's a world where he's starting by the end of his rookie year, but even if he's not, um, I think the upside is legit defensively. And then at 50, they drafted Keontae Johnson. I didn't rank him purposefully because uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an admitted rapist. So I, I was not going to touch him. Uh, with a 10-foot pole, and it makes me really sad that the Thunder, uh, a team I like and I, I kind of root for, drafted him because, you know, not not that it's ever okay, but it's one thing for these fucking, like, superstars to get away with this stuff, right? When it's these end-of-the-roster guys, these Keontae Johnsons, these Anthony Lambs, like, that's indicative of a much bigger issue, where it's like, you don't even have to be that good, and it's still such a boys club that you face no repercussions, that's kind of where the issues start to really show their cracks. But uh, Kassan at 10 was a good pick. And uh, yeah, fuck Keontae Johnson. Hopefully he doesn't make the league. Um, Stone, what are your thoughts on, on the Thunder's draft as a whole? I really like Kassan Wallace. I like the process of moving up to snag Kassan, uh, get your guy. They tried to do that for Bilal and got shafted by the Wizards. And I find that hilarious. So um, <laughs> good for them. Um, uh, they lucked into a better draft pick and didn't have to spend the extra assets to move all the way up to seven. Um, I love Kassan had him at like six or seven. Absolutely a killer. I think is a perfect fit next to Shea, next to Giddy, uh, next to J-Dub, you know, just a game changing defender who can really shoot the ball. Um, just going to absolutely kill it, you know, on this team. I think he's going to get minutes early. And uh, it's just a, a great fit on a great young core. So very excited to see Kassan on this team. Yeah, uh, I um, I like the Kassan pick. Um, I like that they moved up. Uh, I think that 
I mean, they got their guy. Obviously, he's going to bring you know really strong um, defensive upside for them. Seal up their point of attack, despite them being like a really good guard defense already, just because they're so big and long. And Shea really stepped up, obviously, this year on that end. Um, so they're always going to have like high level defenders from their guards uh, at any point in the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, they, they got a solid haul, like, um, with him and, and, you know, what the rest of the roster is looking like. So I liked this pick. Um, I think that they have a lot of really smart basketball players on both ends of the ball. I'm really excited to watch them this year, especially at some really, like, I think they're going to be really fun. So, um, I uh, would give this, you know, it's hard because they have um, Keon Bum, John Bum, but uh, I I would say that uh, they, uh, I'll give it a B plus, a B plus because of that. Like, uh, just basketball reasons, uh, unfortunately, like I thought, I did think Keontae was like in my draftable range of people. Um, Obviously, it probably wouldn't have taken him because of other reasons outside of basketball. But uh, yeah, I think I think Kassan was a really good pick at ten, so I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, I I think if I just ignore fifty, if I'm just assuming fifty is they drafted someone that they're not even going to give a two A, then this is probably an A pick for me. So I'll just give him an A for whatever it's worth. Uh, moving on to the Mavericks, um, they traded back from ten. To 12, they drafted Derek Lively the second. Then at 24, um, the machinations to get 24, where they basically just took on Rachon Holmes' bad money. Um, they drafted Omax Prosper. And then they took the of, of the three guys we're gonna talk about that they, for this team, the highest rated guy was for me was the undrafted guy where they took Mike Miles Jr. and undrafted free agency. Um I like Derek Lively a little bit more than I kind of expected to. He was still he still had a second round grade for me. I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, I should probably check that actually just to be sure. Uh, yeah, he had a second round grade for me. High second round grade. Like I liked him. I like he's a solid big man prospect. I don't think he's elite. I think this was a case where a team drafted for fit instead of getting the best player. Uh, Grady Dick was on the board. I thought Grady Dick would have been a better player. Um, and I just don't, I just don't see like lottery upside with lively. I think, I, I don't think he's like a defensive player of the year caliber five. And I don't think he's like a swing, a playoff series caliber defender either. And then his offense is really far behind. I think you have to really buy the shot in a way I don't, that I haven't. People will always say like, oh, the high school stuff, he shot a little bit. It never looked good. It never looked comfortable. I don't think he's a shooter. And even if he could like, I don't think he can really pick and pop, and he definitely can't dribble to attack a closeout. So, certainly buy it. Omax at 24, we've kind of talked about us all being lower on him. Uh, Stone was the lowest, but in general, like, just don't love that fit there. I thought there were better wings available. I think this would have been a great, like, Seth Lundy spot. You know, Julian Strother fell to 29, uh, could have got him instead. Uh, so, just don't love that. But Mike Miles Jr. as a UDFA is, like, just a really good pick. I hope he stays on as a two-way. I think long-term he could be like a legitimate, uh, maybe not quite starting caliber, but I think he could be a legitimate high-level backup in the league. Um, He just lives at the rim, man. He's a six-foot guard who just lives at the rim. He can shoot a little bit, create for himself, create for others sometimes. Like just does everything I wanted from a 
from a guard. I had a first round grade on him. Um, I had him at 24 on my board. So I was very, very high on that. Uh, Stone, where are you at with the maps? I'll give it a D plus. Um, I'll give it a D, not even a D plus. I'll give it a D, uh, just a straight D. Um, I think Lively is an NBA player. So because of that, I, I probably can't give it an F. Um, and I think that it's just a really bad process to take somebody like that here. I, 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 I'll bump it up to a D plus because I do like the fact that they got off of um, Bertanz's contract. Like I thought that move, when you look at it on its own, was very savvy. Like just getting off of Bertanz's contract um, and and having you know the twelfth pick, like that's a really solid move on its own. But then who you spent the twelfth pick on? Not my favorite. A lot better options to be had, and I don't think you're going to fill your center need by just simply you know taking a center at in at 12 or taking Derek Lively specifically like at 12 uh and he probably like maybe he even plays behind Rashawn Holmes who you got in that deal too right so like now you're sort of I, I, I don't know it doesn't make a ton of sense to me um Omax I had like 60 spots lower than this and to me to take somebody that I valued that much lower in the first round just really hard to get behind no matter what sort of process you look at it from um and mike miles jr uh like solid udfa i think that was one of the better udfa signings so all together it it culminates to like a d plus for me yeah uh they've already talked about also how they're going to bring in a third big um to put lively behind so this isn't even like a oh we desperately need a big it's um, I think it's just awful process. I think it's fundamentally misunderstanding lively where he's at and what you need to do as a team. Um, I don't, I don't think lively is this God tier defensive player. I think he's an NBA player, uh, but I, I think he's closer to the Damian Joneses of the world than the Rudy Gobert's that he gets compared to like consistently uh, by the people who really like him. Don't love Omax. I think I'm the highest of us all because he's kind of funky, but uh, he's not a first round type player. I really, I, I just, he's a second round swing at a wing and that's fine. That's a fine player. That's where I have him at. Um, I do not like that. Mike Miles, he just fucks. Uh, probably, I think, is mathematically, like by my board, the best UDFA um, above Turk or actually below Ricky Council who we'll talk about later, but uh, one of the best UDFA pickups. I really like the fit too. Somebody who's gritty can get to the rim. Um, I, 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 he's just tough. And, and I really, really like Mike miles. I, I would have preferred it if they had just taken him at 24 and given him like a long deal instead of like the two way contract he's going to get or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a D I'm not even going to be nice. The best player they got was the guy who Rashawn, who they, uh, you know, got, because the Kings don't want him anymore. So I, I do really like the Rashawn pickup. I like the moves around the draft, but the draft itself is the picks themselves were very, very poor. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, that's probably about right. And the, the tough thing with someone like I am very high on Mike Miles, right? But it's tough because if he just gets a two way, like sometimes those guys just don't get the proper investment and, you know, that's why, like, our draft rankings, like, it's not always to be looked back on in hindsight. If that was the case, 
then our goal should be to just basically predict the draft because the guys at the top tend to get more investment and the guys in the middle tend to get more investment. It's not always just like some pure meritocracy. Um, that's There's a reason there are guys who should be in the league or playing overseas. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, let's move on to the Raptors at 13. Uh, and they just took the guy, the right guy, Grady Dick at 13 to the Raptors. This is one of those picks that I like for a lot of reasons. One, I like because he's the best available player on my board. Uh, I had him at five on my board. I, I thought, you know, great off-ball player, great shooter. Probably my my pick for the best shooter in the draft. Um, just knows how to play, plays the game the right way, as they say. Um, just a, a really strong player. But I also like that it shows that they are willing to not just, like, stick to this ethos forever, that they're willing to shake things up a little bit, do things a little differently. He's not, like, some super rangy defensive long wing who – can dribble a little bit, but is a questionable shooter. Like, no, he's just a great shooter. Now he has plus size, but you know, he's like a three, two guy, like plays on the wing, shoots the ball. Isn't going to take a ton of, of, you know, stuff off the, off of the plate of Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam, but just fits in, just does things. Well, very easy NBA player to me to get that guy at 13. I think it's really, it's really solid. Then Coop has this in here. I don't know why. UDFA Marquise Noel, I, I really don't care. I don't think he's that good. Um, but for the great dick pick, I'll give that an A. Uh an A for the, the dick the pick. The what pick? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Um Coop, Coop, uh, where are you at with, with the Raptors? Of course, just as we're about to talk, my dog starts squeaking her toy. But I love Grady Dick. Uh, the content that has been produced because he went to Canada, uh, Elite. That jersey is gonna go down in the Hall of Fame. Um, I will, I put Marquise Noel there because he's their Fred Van Vliet replacement. Um, because Marquise Noel should at least get a shot. And I think he got a two-way contract with them. So I do want to at least see him play for, uh, you know, for, for, you know, project six, seven and up, you know, see what he can do when just completely, uh, insulated by size, uh, Grady Dick game changer, uh, you know, as an off ball player. I think he makes everyone else's lives a lot easier um, in, in a way that nobody else who was really there does, even if it's not a super traditional like creator that they do kind of need. Um, he's he's going to really make Pascal and, and Scotty and whoever else is there's lives easier. And that's what you really want. And he's they don't have a ton of shooting on that team. And I think Grady's going to really add that, be able to play year one and have some untapped upside with, uh, you know, just some of the stuff he can do like semi on the ball. Yeah. Um, I think this is a pretty good pick. Like it, it, it's a, obviously like divergent from their typical MO of drafting process. But um, I think Grady Dick is, I mean, really good rotationally as a defender. And I think, you know, having that sort of shooting in spot where you have so many guys that can handle the ball a bit and do funky things with it um and you know be able to finish in a variety of ways like being able to have someone that can just really be reliable as a shooter from outside uh and when all those forwards that can do stuff with the ball can also pass like I think it just makes a lot of sense to have uh, somebody like that on your team so I really like this um I'll give it an A I think this is an A pick not quite an A plus but Really good. Yeah. All right. Fair, fair, fair. Um, let's move on to 14. The Pelicans take Jordan Hawkins. 
whatever, man. Like this pick just did not move me at all. I had Hawkins in my is my top of my second round. I don't think it's like a horrible pick. I guess like he makes some sense. He can really shoot the ball. I thought he needed to go to a team that with a very specific scheme, a scheme that um, the Pelicans do not have. So if you're getting this guy to just be like this, like you know this guy you'll run occasional sets for, and then most of be a spot-up guy, I have issues. Now, if you're going to run him like the J.J. Redick roll off of Zion, that can make a lot of sense. Um, I think there's a chance that like this pick returns really solid regular season value. I think Hawkins could be a really good regular season player, um, especially, again, in the right context, in the right scheme. Um, I'm just not super high on him. I would have preferred some other guys. But I, I'm, I'm not as low on this pick as like – it sometimes looks numerically just on my board. I'd probably give it a C or a C minus. Like I, I, I don't love Hawkins, but I, I actually kind of do think like the process here isn't horrible. Coop. Um, this pick sucks. Um, they could have had guys who can actually do things other than just run around screens. And I don't know if they're going to even like let Hawkins just sprint around screens all game. He doesn't really add anything else like to an NBA floor. Uh, I do think his brand of shooting is like one of the more valuable kinds. He is a great motion shooter. Uh, but if you're not going to fully utilize that, then he's not playable. Um, he doesn't really defend. Can't His touch sucks. Can't really drive. A ton of stuff he just can't do, especially with the guy who went like right after them, who would have been my dream pick for this team. Um, I, I can't get behind this pick. I... You know, I understand getting a good motion shooter, but I, I got to give it like a D plus, C minus. Uh, I, I don't trust the Pelicans to develop him properly, and I don't like him going this high in the first place. Interesting. Uh, I share all the same sentiments as Cooper, and I don't really feel a need to elaborate on any of them. Uh, and I come across, I come away with this as a F on the pick. I, I just think this is a really bad pick, and there's much better players um available that high yep respect it uh all right hawks at 15 this is maybe like one of my favorite drafts even though like at 15 this is not like the highest value on my board or anything but i just like the fit i like the three guys they took like in terms of their personalities how they dressed uh all that type of stuff um at 15 they took kobe buffkin uh buffkin was like at 20 on my board i had him in a tier here with these guys and you know i would have preferred like a pods obviously a whitmore but there's obviously some extenuating circumstances there um you know a, a bryce sense of ball Derek whitehead all those guys were higher on my board but i don't i struggle to get mad at the buffkin fit because i think he's going to be an nba player i think he's just a solid guard who can play at the one or the two i think he fits nicely next to trey or next to Dejounte. i'm guessing Dejounte is not long for this team if i'm being completely honest um so i just like that pick in general i think he can shoot a little bit just shifty gets to the rim excels in a, as a movement player um could be really really solid here muhammad gay at 39 i really like this pick uh obviously for gay himself uh i had i had gay at i, th- I think i might have had him at like 39 uh i had him at 41 uh but i think that he uh there's untapped potential with him as like a role man he didn't get to show a ton at wcu because they didn't really have a point guard but he's super springy off the ground um if they decided to move on from capella i could see him playing some surprising minutes early um you know and then defensively you just got to figure something out with him can he switch can you teach him to be a little more sound and drop um something like that 
but he is springy. He's athletic. He runs the floor well, that type of stuff. And Seth Lenny at 46 is one of my steals of the draft. Um, I think he's a great wing. Like, I think he is someone who can come in and shoot and play rotational defense early. This team needs that. Uh, Would not surprise me if he finds a role as a rookie. Um, Stone, how are you feeling about the Hawks? Yeah, I think this is, I mean, I haven't been on Twitter that much since after the draft, but I feel like it's been one of the more under-discussed draft halls of the night. Like, I thought this was a really solid draft. Um, I think that Buffkin is, um, there's only, like, one guy, I think, or maybe two because Nick Smith Jr. There are a couple guys that I thought were definitively better as prospects, but to me, like, Buffkin was still in the tier of guys that I thought um, were outside of like you know the big three for me which was like scoot almond and uh wemby so he was still in that sort of tier so i thought getting that at 15 was good because there are only 12 guys in that tier um and then i muhammad gay this is around the area i had him i think i had him at like 41 or something so it's right there um and i think that you know i probably would have gone with somebody like sissoko just because he was so much higher on my board and still available um but the fact that they still took someone around the range I had him, I can't knock him too much. Uh, and Seth Lundy, I think, made up for that a little bit because I had him much higher than this as like a priority second round grade, someone I would uh, take, you know, very high up. I think I had him even above Jordan Hawkins. So um, I, I like this pick quite a bit as a shooter. Uh, overall, I'd give it an A, just a flat A. A plus if they took a couple other guys. Uh, but I can't fault them too much because I still do like the guys they took quite a bit. I love Kobe Bufkin. Uh, absolutely adore this fit. Uh, absolutely adore the Mo Gay fit. Uh, at least he'll actually like maybe get a chance at minutes. Uh, you know, the Hawks aren't a great team, but I, I do think that I don't think they're a great development team either, but there's a chance for him to like at least maybe see the floor, especially with John Collins gone. Um, kind of get like the Jalen Johnson backup forward minutes and just see what he can do, uh, see the energy there. I, I really think Buffkin is like a great fit, no matter who you're going to play him with. Him and A.J. Griffin, uh, you know, just two great off-ball shooters next to an elite heliocentric creator like Trey Young. Oh, my God, that's magic. Uh, I didn't watch Seth Lundy. Um, I think you guys like him. Uh, I missed that pod, but I – it's just a solid draft all around. I, I really think for a team that's trying to compete, just getting guys who can play like Buffkin and, and maybe gay, who I think is like a great upside swing. Um, you know, I, I think that's really good process and, and really good results. Two guys who I like, who they got like a few slots below where I had them. But, uh, so I, I really, really like this Hawks draft. I'll give it a, a, a B plus. Yeah, I just realized that I forgot to be given grades, but I also don't care enough to correct myself, so whatever. Um, moving on to the Lakers, um, we're going to skip Stone on this one because I don't want him to get uh, too angry. Uh, 17, they draft Jalen Huchifino. I really don't like this pick. Uh, both Pods and Nick Smith would have been better guys here if kind of fill a similar role. I don't think Shafino is someone who can get downhill. I don't think he's a particularly quick reactor. I don't think the handle is, is very consistently good he's good at one thing and that's getting into the mid-range and and hitting those kind of mid-range shots out of pick and roll what's the value of that i not much to me i had him at like 54 on my board i thought the one path upside with him is 
can he extend that out and just like bomb pull up threes um and even then like i don't think that'd be like great offense but you know whatever he was one of the worst statistical players in college basketball um for amigo 17 kind of shook me but you know that it's it's their it's their vibe former Montverde player so maybe there's some more stuff defensively um i didn't really see it at at indiana um and he never stopped me when i did watch Montverde, but maybe that's their sell um at 40 they draft max lewis that's a pretty solid little pretty solid little 40th pick i had him right around that range um you know just a solid wing i hope he gets a real contract instead of a two-way we'll see um, and then my favorite pick of theirs uh, was a UDFA, Colin Castleton. I think he might play. I might he might be the backup center as a rookie on a two way contract. I'm not even kidding. Uh, there's not a ton of depth here, um, and he's just someone who's a good rim protector. Can switch a little bit. Uh, makes a lot of sense as a backup here. Um, so that kind of helps. They're great, but not a ton. I love uh, Stone. How do you feel about the Lakers draft? I've I've come to terms of accepting the pick because there's nothing i can do to change it i can only you know uh control what i can control which is nothing uh in regards to their draft so um i mean i I would have preferred quite a bit of other guys everyone's harping at least for the lakers side of things like we should have got cam whitmore should have got cam whitmore and i agree in terms of where i had him on my board i don't have access to what happened behind the scenes as to why he fell I know there is some things, but I, I don't know exactly what they are. Um, but even then, if it wasn't Cam, like there's Nick Smith Jr. I would have preferred Sensabaugh, Podziemski, a lot of guys I would have preferred outside of Cam uh, to Hudjufino. Um I mean, he I had him in my priority second round tier, so he's a guy I didn't really even value as a first rounder. Um, I don't really think that he is uh he's just not the best pick here uh and i i don't think he's a, a, what is being put out there as the player that he is i don't think is very accurate um i think he has a lot of trouble finishing obviously shooting's iffy but because we have a really good shooting coach i think it'll come around to serviceable enough level uh he can't really create as a point guard uh i don't think the defense is really there um just there, there's too much for me to question with him to be worth taking at 17 uh, I thought we got a better player at 40 than we did at 17. Um, I had Max Lewis like around pick 20, I think, on my board, 19 or 20, something like that. Um, to get him at 40, I thought was really good value. Um, probably won't play much, you know, the first year or two, but I think the long-term dividends are, are well worth uh, taking at pick 40. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, you don't get too much into the undrafted guys, but I, I'm pretty happy with it. Not like ecstatic, but I think I'm I'm pretty happy with them. So overall, with their just draft pick haul, uh, I'd give it a C plus. Yeah, my favorite player that the Lakers got was an undrafted free agent, Demoy Hodge. Um, so I Bryce rolling his eyes. Uh, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand my 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 love for small off ball guards that really defend. He just doesn't understand. He's not built like me, but uh, the Jalen hood, Shafino pick uh, God awful. Max Lewis, not my favorite, but I at least get it. I think he can probably shoot at six, seven. And I think there's a world where he bulks up a little bit and figures out how to defend. And he's pretty valuable. You could also like let him try being the backup point guard some and see if there's anything there. Uh, Colin Castleton, 
this is like a team that desperately needs big men. And I think Colin Castleton is like a really fun pick, like pickup next to AD and next to all the guys they have. And uh, my guy, Demoy Hodge can just shoot the piss out of the ball. The motor is unrelenting, can really defend. Um, I, I think he's just going to be a machine. I, th- I think you put him at the point of attack and he is a, uh, He's going to be a pain in the ass, and that's my favorite kind of player. So I will give them a C. I'll give them a C plus because they got three pretty good players at the back end. It's just that Jalen Hutchfino pick. Uh, uninspired and disgusting. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I see you guys are way more positive. Moving on to the Heat at 18, taking Jaime Hawkins Jr. I thought Hawkins is a two-way guy, undrafted two-way guy. I thought this was a pretty bad pick at 18. Uh, especially when you consider who else was on the board. He's a great guy. He's probably going to stick around. I heard someone float that maybe this is uh, actually secretly a Udonis Haslam replacement because that's like kind of his vibe is that he's just like good leader and, and that type of stuff. And I expect that I already killed workouts. Nothing about his game screens NBA to me. He's not very athletic, not a particularly great shooter. Uh, good passer, but kind of a ball stopper, not like a super quick decision maker. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't like this pick very much, but he he probably sticks around, honestly, at like the middle to back end of rosters um, just because people like him so much. And at a certain point, that is a skill, like just like in real life, like it is a skill to just be so likable that people want to keep you around. Um, but I'm not sure it provides a ton of on the court value throughout the course of his career. Coop. Yeah, I tweeted a few days after the draft. Uh, if Jaime Hawkes hits, I'm never betting against Feel again because they're like skill wise, I don't understand what he is as an NBA player. Uh, small ball post up four, like offensively a small ball five, defensively like a three, or like the guy you hide on the corner. And I don't know how valuable that is, especially in like a motion offense where it's like, oh, keep the ball moving, shoot the ball, like, oh. It's almost like beautiful game-esque and like maybe he's like your Jimmy Butler light where where you just like try to run the same actions, but Hakez is not, he's just not him. So you can't really run the same kind of actions. Um, Obviously not nearly the same level of athlete, not a great foul drawer either, which is like the big appeal with that, with Butler. Um, I just don't get it. Even if you think he can shoot, why the hell would you draft him at 18 then? Like, if you're just going to have him spot up, he can't really defend, not super athletic. Uh, I just don't get this pick. I'm going to give it an F. Um, Really confusing. Yeah. um, (laughs) Look, I have a soft spot for Jaime, but this is just too much. Um, (laughs) I I think it's, uh, it's it's hard because, like, I mean, I'm going to give it an F because of the players that are still available. Um, But I think that he ultimately, like, I have a fair amount of confidence he's a role player, especially because he's in Miami. Like, I think that he just does become that. So to get someone that sticks at 18 is, like, not awful. But considering who else is on the board, it is awful. So uh, I'm going to give it an F. Yeah, that all sounds – that all sounds – Fair to me. Uh, all right, to the Warriors. At 19, they take Brandon Pajemski. And then at 57, they take, quote-unquote, the biggest follower of the draft, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Pods at 19 is an inspired pick. Fucking love it. Um, this is a great pick for me. I just think he is 
Um, someone who fits, he he can play in their movement scheme incredibly well. He can shoot off the ball. Um, he is a great pull-up shooter, really good passer, quick decision maker. We talked about his proprioception being extraordinary. That's something I think really fits with the Warriors. Um, so into all of that, uh, I think that was an A-plus pick. Uh, for TJD, it's a fine pick. Like, I have zero qualms with taking him at 57. My issue was with the people who are like, oh, he's like the biggest deal, biggest follower of the draft. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Like, it, it, he's fine. He's good. He can catch a lot of here and there. I didn't like his game as much as some. He's not bad. He's probably going to stick a little bit, but um, would not be like jumping up and down about this pick as much as some, but pods very happy with. So all in on that pick stone. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a really good pick. Uh, I, I think he is like just a really solid player uh, who is, you know, moving the ball constantly can shoot really in that system um can be their backup point guard i think they've lacked that in, in you know years prior so uh to be able to get that on 19 and someone i feel really confident in as an nba player uh, i think is really good trace jackson davis everyone's like oh steal the draft he fell that far this is about where i had him on my board like i think this is appropriate range to take uh tjd and because of that, like I'll, I'm probably gonna give it just a flat A. Like I think they they took solid guys. They didn't get like home run steals. I don't think. Um, and I think Podziemski, I mean, might be that eventually. But, um, yeah, this is just a really solid haul, solid draft all the way around, and I think that's uh, worth giving an A to. Yeah, love the pods pick. Great fit. Um can shoot the ball, can run some stuff on ball and play great in a motion offense. Not too much else to say there. He's awesome. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis. I think I was the resident fan of his and I kind of like this because I think you can kind of offensively plug him into this warrior system and he can actually do stuff and like pass and dribble a little bit and like offensively be kind of a Draymond light. The problem is that, He's not a dream on light on the defensive end. So you're losing 90% of the value there. And uh, I, I do get that a big who can kind of dribble, kind of pass, get to the rim, do that kind of stuff, uh, valuable. And that's that's why I do really like this pick. It's why I'm going to end up giving him like an A- minus because I love the pods pick. And Trace Jackson Davis is a really fun system fit, even if I don't super love his NBA translation. Uh, I think this is just two guys who can come in and play and uh, at, at least kind of do something in the regular season. I don't think that either of them are playoff rotation guys, but in a few years, maybe they are, you can start to transition out of the dynasty. And uh, you know, I, I think pods is, is really a great piece to to start doing that with. Love it. All right. So the Nets had back-to-back picks at 21 and 22. They took Noah Connie, Derek Whitehead, then at 51, they took Jalen Wilson. Again, I'm not going to scrutinize these like 50s picks a ton. I didn't like Jalen Wilson that much. I had him as like a summer league guy, maybe worth a two-way, but I wasn't all the way in on it. Um, I just don't really buy much that he really does at the NBA level other than kind of shoot, but even then, it's sort of weird. Noah Clowney did not really like that pick at all. I also had him as like a two-way guy. Um, he's young. He's sort of athletic, but like he's not really that good on the perimeter. He's not a great rim protector. Um, he's super skinny. I don't buy the shot and he can't really dribble or pass either. So 
all those combined to be a pretty big issue for me. But Tariq Whitehead, this might be the best pick of the draft. You take a guy who can really shoot the ball. Uh, you know, if he's healthy, he's a great athlete. Um, had an ability to get downhill in high school. Could really put some put some pressure on the rim. Could could throw down some crazy dunks in transition, especially. But even in the half court, good off ball defender with the strength and you know lateral agility to guard on the ball when a screen isn't involved. Um, just so much to like there um, to get that guy at twenty two. And also when you think this team could potentially be, you know, entering a huge rebuild, or they could potentially be, you know, asking to be a three and D guy as well. Like he can fill both those roles. He's just so Dariq is just so good. And for him to be here at 22 feels absurd to me. Like that medical red flag has to be fucking huge because if he's healthy, he's so obviously a guy you watch that high school stuff. He's just a guy. There's a reason he was a consensus top five pick coming into this draft for that guy to be there at 22. I think, um, is a crime and the Nets capitalized and congrats to them for that. And that pick alone, like boosted, even though I don't love the Clowney pick, I don't love the Wilson pick. Like it doesn't matter. You had three picks, none of them in the top 14 and you got the guy who was ranked seventh on my board. That's a, that's an a draft to almost like that. That's where I'm at. Uh, Coop. Uh, the Clowney pick. Um, I laughed my ass off when they made it uh, in real time. And then because I, you know, I, as a Rockets fan, I have a vested interest in the Nets not being good. And then they got Dariq, and I was pissed. Uh, really great pickup uh, of Dariq. I, I think he can play if he's healthy. He can really shoot, can attack closeouts. I don't know about the star upside, uh, and that's what has me lower on him than Bryce. The handle really worries me. I think it's, like, comedically bad. Uh, but everything else is just so obvious for him. And if you can get a guy like that, and if they can figure out how to get a creator bet in there, I really, really, really like this Nets team. I don't think that there's anybody available at 21 other than like maybe a Sensabaugh or a Leonard Miller who like could have been that creator bet, but I really wish that they had done that. And if they had done that, like I, I assumed they would just take Leonard Miller. If they ended this draft with Leonard Miller and Dariq Whitehead, they get an A plus and they win forever and ever and ever. But they pick Clowney who is a nothing burger in my opinion and Dariku kicks ass, but it's just another variation of the three and D plus guy type guys that they've just littered this roster with. Uh, Jalen Wilson is kind of shooty waste of a draft pick, but it's whatever. Uh, I, I give them like a B minus. I really like the Dariku pick. The other two are just a waste of time. Uh, and that, you can't really be wasting assets like that, especially in the weird spot that the Nets are in currently. Yeah, uh, I can't figure out how to unmute myself. Um, I think that Derek Whitehead was an awesome pick. Uh, I, I really like that pick, and I really like that for a team. I like the process even of the Noah Clowney pick because despite how I view Noah Clowney, the perception seems to be that, you know, he's a pretty big swing on upside. And I think uh, both him and Derek sort of fill that um, with the injuries Derek has. And I think uh, that's a direction that I think is good for the Nets to take, especially in the twenties in the draft, like just go for it when you're in that sort of range. Um, that said, I think Clowney's an undraftable player. So it's hard for me to really like, you know, put that as a, positive for them um i think Derek was a really great pick 
Jalen Wilson is um, someone I would have considered giving a two-way with, but probably, yeah, definitely not drafted. Um, but that's 51, so who cares? Um, so overall, like, I'd probably give this a B. Um, I, I like the Derek pick. That's what's keeping it where it is. But the other two picks, I'm not that big a fan of. Yeah, I think that's all fair. All right, uh, let's go on to the Nuggets, who traded into a couple picks. They ended up at 29, 32, and 27. They drafted Julian Strother at 29, Jalen Pickett at 32, Hunter Tyson at 37. Here's what I'll say. I generally like the process here a lot. Get guys. Get guys who you can have on the roster cheap, who fill positions of, of somewhat uh, import or value or need. Strother, great shooter. I think he'll find a role in the regular season pretty early just because he can stroke that thing. And the defense is a question. The playmaking is a question. But he can really shoot. He can shoot it off movement. I think he can attack closeout all right, not make a horrible decision with the ball. Um, Pickett did not like that pick. I think there are a lot better targets at like a similar position. Um, but you know, he is a, a big guard who can, you know, maybe run some pick and roll with backup units, whatever. Hunter Tyson, I actually kind of like that pick. Like, I wasn't like super high on Hunter Tyson, and there were guys on my board who were higher. But in terms of just like get this guy in your building, I like getting Hunter Tyson at 37. He's a big shooter who's a really, really good closeout attacker, efficient finisher, just an efficient player on both ends. Guarded a lot of point cards at Clemson, like did a lot of funky stuff there. Like I like his game. I think you leave this draft with Strother and Tyson. You get two guys who I think project to be potentially really valuable regular season players. If one of them can improve defensively enough to provide some playoff rotation value, I think that's a great thing. Uh, You know, Jeff Green isn't going to be around forever. And one of those guys could maybe play a Jeff Green role, especially Tyson specifically. Could maybe pull a Jeff Green role for this team long term. I think that would be really fun, really solid. So it's like a really like average draft, like a C plus draft. But, you know, a a C plus draft where you might end up with two guys who are legit NBA players is solid. And it could be, you know, any of those two. I, I have the two guys I like. But there's a chance that maybe Pickett does stick or whatever. And even if you only get one guy who really sticks and makes a difference, and the other two are mostly back of the rotation guys or out of the league, to have 29, 32, and 37 and get one guy who sticks in the league, that's good. Like, that's just you did a good job. And I think they have two really solid shots at that. And then a third that I'm not super happy with, but, you know, you can't win them all. Stone? Yeah, I like this Strother pick quite a bit. Um, I think it gives them. I don't think they really have like that knockdown bench type shooter. Um, it feels like, and having someone that can do that in a variety of ways, I really like. Getting at twenty nine, I thought the picket pick was uh, atrocious. Um, I I would not have taken him in the draft, especially at pick thirty two. That just seems crazy to me. Um, and. Let's see, who else did they get? I'm stalling because my eyes don't work properly. Hunter Tyson, I thought, was a pretty interesting pick. Um, I I mean, he's probably a two-way, but, like, I think in the Nugget system specifically, like, I think he's pretty interesting, especially defensively. Like, I think he's a really solid off-ball defender. Um, so I'd give it a B-minus, probably. I like the Strother pick. The the Tyson pick's pretty decent, even though I had him more as like an undrafted guy. Um, but the picket pick is just it's horrible to me. Strother pick is a masterclass. 
Jalen Pickett, waste of a draft pick. I don't think he's even like an NBA player. Uh, Hunter Tyson didn't watch, but get shooters, uh, especially in the second round. Get pretty good sized, funky shooters who can do stuff other than shoot. And that's Tyson. Um, you know, I think Strother's touch and just off ball prowess, perfect fit next to Nikola Jokic. And I, I think that the defense will find a way to become good enough. And I think there's a chance he's a playoff rotation early in his player, early in his career. Uh, because of just the the incredible shit he can do on offense and be passable to like not too bad on defense and that's like a perfect combination to put next to a guy like Jokic and the defensive infrastructure they've built in Denver. Yep, I, all that seems right to me. Um, all right, moving on to the last pick of the first round, the Clippers took Kobe Brown at thirty and Jordan Miller at forty eight. I wasn't very high on either of these guys. These feel like two kind of swings and misses to me. I'm guessing Jordan Miller gets a two-way. Kobe Brown at 30, I just like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of people who are really in on him. And I feel like I'm almost missing something. But I don't buy the shot to the extent that some do. I think he, you know, he he really was, you know, he benefited from that up-tempo style. He scored a lot out of the post. He has moments as like a funky handler and post-passer, like, he could do some things. He has a good collection of skills. I had like a, a second round grade on him. Like it's not awful at 30, but there's just nothing I really love with his game. And, you know, with guys like Leonard Miller and Julian Phillips on the board, Jordan Walsh, like there's just better picks to me, but I, I don't know. I struggle to get like super mad at this, but if I'm just looking at like the value of where I had both these guys in a vacuum, like this is probably like a deep draft probably. So that's, I don't know. That's where I'm at stone. Yeah, um, I, I I like the like this is about where I had Jordan Miller. I thought that was a really awesome pick. Kobe Brown, I would have been also fine with that forty eight. I think at thirty, there's just way too much talent still available for me to consider taking him there. Um, so I mean, I'll, I'll go with a C, uh, because I do like Jordan Miller, but it's not like a home run pick by any means. Um, and. Kobe Brown, I'm just not sold on as a top 30 guy. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a C here. Yeah, I had Jordan Miller at 49, and they got him at 48. Um, I don't like Kobe Brown. I wouldn't have drafted him. I just don't get it. Um, I don't like this draft. <laughs> I think it's like a D. Uh, at least they got, like, two guys who can kind of play, I guess, if you really think Kobe Brown can shoot. But I, I don't know. I There's too many question marks there with me for him. And, and Jordan Miller's at least an energy guy. And I like those kinds of guys off the bench. But uh, the Clippers offense is really built on spacing and just having infinite amounts of space because everybody can shoot. And I don't know how much either of these guys contribute to that, uh, especially early. Uh, I think Miller will at least stick in the league because he's got so much energy. But uh yeah don't love this draft I, I think it's potentially like a best case scenario it's like a c i don't really think there's like a world where it's like oh this was a b plus a minus draft because there were so many guys ahead of the like who i had ahead of them on my board they could have taken and just refused to yep that all seems uh about in line with where i'm at um moving on to uh the second round now the timberwolves had some machinations, made some trades, got Leonard Miller at 33 and Jalen Clark at 53. I love the Leonard Miller pick. I think moving up to get him was an absolute coup. Uh, I, I think it was an excellent move. 
Um, Jalen Clark, whatever, I don't really care. I'm guessing they drafted him at 53 to not give him a contract, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I don't even think he gets a two-way uh, because he's hurt. Um, he won't be able to play this year. But Leonard Miller, great pick. It's just I, the fit is a question, whatever. I don't care. Uh, he's just too good for me to worry too much about fit. And fuck, this team might be trading Cat and building around Nas Reed for all we know. So I, I'm not too worried about that. Miller is a 6'11 guy who can create advantages off the bounce. That's the sell. That's what matters. That's He was a lottery guy for me to get that guy at 33. Uh, home run. Absolute home run. Uh, Coop, do you have any thoughts on this draft? Leonard Miller is arguably the steal of the draft, uh, just by like a pure numbers gap on my board and, and where they went. Absolutely love that pick. Um, I don't know about the fit in Minnesota. Uh, they only have big men <laughs> there. So maybe they'd try and move Leonard Miller to the wing and see if there's stuff there. I, I imagine he'll just spend the year in the G League. Um, but I I really love the pick. I think there's a world where Leonard Miller ends up being like an all-star level player because of his weird amalgamation of skills and just weird movements and all that kind of stuff. Uh, absolutely adore the pick could not have gotten better value and Jalen Clark, probably not a guy, but I like him to bring into summer league and see if there's anything there and just kind of let him wreak havoc and, and throw your young guards against him and like use him as like a, you know, iron sharpens iron type thing. And he'll be fun in the G league. So might as well, you know, take him in the fifties when there's not too many guys who are actually going to be on real NBA contracts there. Yeah. Um, I, I the Leonard Miller pick is interesting. Um, I mean, they're just going all in on bigs uh, and is really funky. Um, I think it could play alongside any of their bigs because of just how funky he is. Um, I really would like to see him, you know, next to cat. I think that's a really interesting pairing. Um, and I really like that they took a swing on someone, right? Because it feels like they, typically just take a lot of boring guys um taking someone that can really outplay this sort of value has a has a chance to like i think that's an awesome pick um the jalen clark pick it's at 53 it's hard to really be like you know that down on somebody that late um he wasn't a top 100 player for me so uh, by that metric you know it's bad value but again it's that late in the draft who really cares um so overall i'd give it a b plus because i do like the leonard miller pick quite a bit um i think it's pretty interesting yeah uh these next ones will probably go through pretty fast but the kings i thought had a pretty good draft um i don't love giving up a first round pick just to move on from uh Richon holmes's money i just don't like that very much uh, obviously it's the league it's how things go but it kind of frustrates me but they get colby jones at 34 and Jalen Slauson at 54 I didn't even love Colby Jones, but at 34, that's just a great pick, um, even though I would have preferred Julian Phillips or Andre Jackson. Uh, but I think Jones is just a guy. He can shoot. He can you know move the ball well. Uh, I wish he wasn't so predeterminate with his reads, but I, I think the freedom that he will be allotted in an offense like the Kings is really important for him. I think he'll be able to excel there. And Slauson, I really love. I really love taking Slauson. This is a team with Kessler Edwards uh, already, who's another one of hashtag my guys. Um, and Slauson can shoot, man. 
he, he's really funky. He can really do a lot of things. And even if he can't shoot, like, is there like a world where he can play the DeMontis Sabonis role as a backup big, where he's running DHOs, running the floor hard? I just really like it. I, I think Slauson is an excellent guy to take a bet on here. Leaving with a second round with Jones Slauson, two guys who I think have very solid chance to be NBA rotation players down the line. That's about as good as you could get for a second round haul. I mean, really, really impressive stuff there. Uh, Stone? Yeah, um, I like this draft. I mean, Colbe was a top 20 guy for me. Uh, I, I think for Cooper, probably top three. Um, but I think that he's, you know, a really solid player here. I talked about it with uh, Brendan Nunez on his podcast and uh, got, you know, really into depth if you're going to listen to that. But um, I think that he is somebody that can fill a role for this team, especially with Terrence Davis probably gone. Um, maybe Harrison Barnes is gone. Who knows? But uh, I think that um, he can be like a fifth guard, but also like a spot wing type guy um, who can get minutes uh, and, and be productive in them from probably year one. So I like that. Um, Jalen Slauson, not as high as you guys. I think this is about the range I had him. Um, so fine pick to me. Like it's not a home run pick, but I think it's, you know, pretty fine pick for the value. Um, I give this another B plus, I think. Uh, for what, like what they had, uh, like their process. I don't love trading pick twenty four to just to get off Rashawn. Trading Omax to get off Rashawn and then getting a better player at thirty four is infinitely hilarious to me. I love it. Uh, I love Colby Jones. Absolutely. I had him 18th on my board, getting him here at 34. Someone who's switchy. I don't think he's as predeterminate as Bryce thinks he is because um, Bryce is a monk. But I I think he can shoot. He does a lot of great stuff. Solidly switchy. Just a lot of the stuff that the Kings need. And then Slauson, great backup big who can give you a different look defensively while still being able to run a lot of the same actions offensively. And maybe even scale down to like the four on offense and like just shoot the ball and kind of dribble and have some funk. Um, I love this draft for what it is. I mean, I'd probably give them a B plus too. Uh, I wish that they had just gotten like somebody better at 24 and just stuck with that. But you know, they did what they did. They got off for Sean and they still came out with two guys who I think will be rotation players for this team. and, And that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Bulls traded up to get Julian Phillips. This is a pick I love in a vacuum. I hate this for Julian Phillips, man. The Bulls cannot develop anyone. They've got to be the worst development team in the league. Like, it's so frustrating. And Julian Phillips is a guy I like a lot. I think there's a world where he's the best wing defender in this class down the line. He's on ball, on ball wing defender. Um, Outside of maybe Bilal. Bilal's kind of the other guy up there with him for me. Um, but I just, I just don't think he's going to hit here for whatever that, like, maybe that's me being mean. I I don't know. Like, I think he can shoot better than he did at Tennessee. I think the shot's fine. I think he's a really good wing defender. Can't do anything else with the ball. So you like, he is pure three and D. Um, and you know, like he hustles hard. He gets, on, he gets on the glass. I want to like this. They also got Dama Sonogo and UDFA, which I don't hate. Like Sonogo's fine. I just, man, I just. I really wanted Phillips to not be a bull and he's a bull. So that's, that's really all I got. Uh, Coop, do you have anything to add here? Yeah. I don't love Phillips nearly as much as you do, 
Uh, he has a lot of offensive issues, and the Bulls are not going to fix them. Uh, I feel really bad that he got sent. He got he got banished to Chicago. Um, maybe Billy Donovan can use him, and like the defense is like legitimately good, and maybe he gets some usage there. He's like the only plus defender who's like above six eight on this team. So I like it in that degree, but the offense is like, I don't think it's going to come around while he's in Chicago. Uh, and I do like the, the Adama Sonogo pickup. Um, not someone I had like as draftable, but a good UDFA big. And uh, they got him in UDFA on a two way. He's better than Andre Drummond who, you know, just came back, but it's okay. He's got good touch. He'll go to the G league, see if he's anything, see if the shot's real. Uh, and if it is, I think he's like a, a good backup big and that's a solid UDFA get. So that's why I, I put him on the outline stone. How do you, how do you feel about this pick? I mean, look, we can bash the, the bulls all we want, which deservedly so, but ultimately like the pick is kind of all we can judge them on. Right. Because like, um, no matter who they take, it's it's probably not going to be a very uh, desirable situation for them. Um, so just basing off of like who they picked, I think it's a pretty good pick. I'd give it an A minus, I think, uh, because that's uh, that's a good pick to me. Like I had him as a first round type guy. I get that in the a second. Um, I can always use a guy that you know defends the way he does and hopefully can shoot as a two way wing. It is the Bulls. The likelihood of him panning out is probably a lot less now, but um, like I said, it's you can only control what you can control, and you kind of have to only be able to look at it through the lens of who they took, because no matter who they take, it's it's not going to be a very desirable situation. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe they should just uh, hire some development staff. Um, but Reinstorf is a cheapo. Hire um, us. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. At 36, the Bucks took Andre Jackson. Uh, at 58, they took Chris Livingston as Mr. Relevant in this draft. Um, and then they got Dawes Gortman as a UDFA. I think I like this. Uh, Livingston, obviously, they can give or take. But if he shoots, like, maybe he's okay as, like, a bench wing forward type. I don't know. Um, Jackson, I didn't love his fit here. And then I sort of have this thought, like, you know, maybe he could be, like, the bench Giannis. Like, like this grab-and-go guy play him in space, like, like just figure it out with like his defense and stuff. And the value here for me is great. Like Andre Jackson was always going to take a specific fit. And I'm not sure this is that fit, but there's a world where they can make it work. And he's so good that it's just like, I, you just got to hope that eventually he's going to find a spot because he's so fucking good. If he just gets that right fit, he just is a very specific fit. So that that's where I'm at stone. Um, yeah, I I actually love the Andre Jackson pick for the Bucks. Like I think it's a really awesome pick. I think defensively it's so cool. I think he's a great passer. Um yeah, I I'm not gonna get into what he does. I just think that we've already talked about that, but he's a really great pick here for me. It's at 36. Like I think it's just an awesome pick. Um Livingston, I assume he was maybe got promised here like because the fact that he came out and maybe he got promised that he would be drafted and that was enough for him to come out. If that is the case, that's kind of ridiculous for the Bucks to do that. Um, I also just, even if it wasn't, I think it's ridiculous just to take him here. Um, 
bad pick, but it's 58. It's the last pick in the draft. Who cares? So, uh, because a first round pick matters so much more, uh, or a, a higher second round pick, I should say, matters so much more. Um, I'll give this an A. I think this is a pretty solid draft. They also got uh, Jay-Z and Gortman in UDFA. Absolutely love that pickup. Um, just another great small guard um, who is probably not an NBA player, but is super, super fun. Uh, I love the Ajax pick, Chris Livingston pick, kind of a what the hell. I think this is like a B draft because the Ajax pick is so good. I don't really have much like actual analysis to add to what y'all said, but just Ajax is everything but score. And I think the Bucks have a solid amount of scoring and getting a guy like Ajax, who is probably a good fit is, is a great, great pick here at 36. Someone who I'd have easy first round grade on. Yep. Yep. Uh, moving on. And these last couple go pretty fast at 38, the Celtics take Jordan Walsh. They had some other trade machinations that I'm too tired to get into at this point. Walsh is a great pick. He's a great fit, really good defender, pretty good. Plus plus one passer probably has to shoot it, but even if he doesn't like, I don't know, he could probably fill the fucking, uh, Oh, what was the name of the guy who's on the bulls now? Um, is Javante Smart? Is that his name? No, that's a former LSU point that's, guard. That's the six four power forward who they play who's super athletic. Yeah, that's right. That's is that Javante Green. Smart? Is that his name? Or no, no, that's Green. Yeah, Javante uh, Green. Javante uh, Green. Such what I'm thinking of. That's like like Jordan Walsh, I think, could fill that role, even if he can't shoot. Like big, like big, strong power forward, good defender, can come out the bench and bring some energy at some point. Like What's the upside? I'm not completely sure, but if he hits, like he's a good connective passer who is just a strong on and off ball defender, does a lot of good things on that end as a wing. You know, he probably has to shoot to really hit his ceiling, but I I, I like this pick. Um, Coopstone, I'm guessing you guys are kind of with me here. Yeah, uh, I like this pick. It's very Boston y pick, right? Like just take a, a wing that prob- is defensive minded. Eventually, it'll be probably good for them. Um, this is a round where I had Walsh, so it's not like home run value, but I think that at 38, like, it's pretty solid. Um, he's super young still. Boston just wins with defensive-minded guys. Like, that's just their MO. Um, I have no reason to believe that won't be the same case for Jordan Walsh. I like this pick. I'll give it an A. Yeah, solid value. I had him as a priority second rounder and they got him here at 38. I really like the passing. I think there's still some untapped stuff on ball uh, with the high school film. I don't know if Boston is the place to get that, but if he goes to Maine and plays for the Red Claws, maybe there's something there. Uh, I'll give this a B plus. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm not sure how it's going to work on offense with their just complete lack of offensive infrastructure, but uh, the defense is going to be fun. So. Yeah, all right. The Grizzlies had a very un-Grizzly-ish draft. They took Gregory Jackson, GG Jackson at 45, whatever, man. At 45, it's not even horrible value for me. I think I had him as like a two-way guy in the 50s. I have no idea if he takes a two. I'm guessing he probably takes a two-way. Um, so, you know, again, this isn't even like horrible value. I actually ended up with him uh, at 59, so I don't hate it, but whatever. And then they take... Tariq Bibarovic, which is just a completely fake pick. They just threw that pick away. Um, I think probably on purpose. Like 
Uh, I went back and tried to watch some of him. He played. He only averaged like four points per game this year on like not the, a top team or anything. Um, he can shoot a little bit at six eight, six nine, um, but that's really about it. There's not a ton to his game. Um, there were multi. I mean, take Rogkopoulos if you're going to take a stash. Um, so this is this is pretty much an F draft for me. Um, even though like I don't know, Gigi might. He's like an okay. He's like a six nine stretch forward, whatever. But there's nothing here that sticks out. Coopstone, do you guys got anything to add? Um, no, I mean, it's the Grizzlies. So my hope for him becoming an NBA player is probably a, a little more optimistic than it would be for him being on a different team, uh, in regards to Gigi. <laughs> we never even talked about, uh, Tariq or Tariq. Um, I've never even heard of him to be completely honest. And, um, if you listen to the show, you know, that we're pretty much sickos. So the fact that we haven't heard of him, uh, should tell you something, um, yeah, I don't really get this draft. Who am I to doubt the Grizzlies? But I'm gonna give it a D. One thing is, I do feel like the Grizzlies made that Tariq pick just to piss you two off, like you two specifically. It's like, oh my god, we have to hit on everyone who could be drafted. We need everybody who has a shot at getting drafted, and they listen to like the the forty names that you had on the 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 <laughs> even the even deeper overseas guys list and they said fuck you we're not taking any of them <laughs> <laughs> and so they took Bibarovic. if we were if we were going to talk about Bibarovic, like we would have had even less to say than we had on like milan barbic because he played even less minutes than those like than barbic and um there's some of the other guys we talked about who i'm now blanking on but like he played even less than like those guys so uh, moving on to the Cavs, they took Amani Bates, and then they had my my favorite UDFA was Mike Miles. My second favorite UDFA, the second highest UDFA on my well, that's not true, like third or fourth highest UDFA on my board. But maybe the UDFA setting I'm most excited about was Craig Porter Jr. I really love this from the Cavs. Amani obviously has his issues, but take a bet on a wing at 49 who can shoot a little bit. Okay, like if you just would frame it like that, all of a sudden it's a bit more exciting. Um, Craig Porter Jr. so fun. He's so cool. I want there is not a player in this draft I want to succeed more than Craig Porter Jr. Give me a six foot one shot blocking guard who can shoot and create some stuff for himself and just has that bit of funk that you just love to see. Um, I'm rooting for him, man. I think this Cavs uh summer league team is gonna be super fun. Uh, I believe Craig Porter's on a two-way. This is not like an E10 uh two or an E10 UDFA. This is legit, and uh I, I'm into it. I, I love this draft. Uh, for whatever that's worth, I'd give it an A, I, I, I suppose. Um, Coop, Stoney, any thoughts here? It's fine. <laughs> like, it, this is about where I had both these guys. Um, priority UDFA. And I think I actually might have had Imani, like, exactly at 49 on my board. Um, you know, hopefully he becomes an NBA player. Uh, best wishes to him. I mean, it, it's hard to like, you know, be like crazy high on a draft when you're picking when your highest pick is at 49. Um, so for what they had to work with, I guess, um, I'll give it a B plus. Like these are both the guys I had in this sort of range. No crazy home run value, but um, it's hard to do that when you're picking this low. Yeah, I like Amani, and this is my favorite landing spot for him. Uh, probably other than like maybe the Grizzlies, like if the Grizzlies had taken Amani instead of GG, uh, I would have been very, very happy, but, um, 
I like the Cavs as a fit. I can like actually see him playing kind of a role one day or even like in the regular season if they need shooting so desperately. And Craig Porter, I just believe in because he's so funky and has so much energy on the offensive and defensive end. Uh, those guys just do not exist. Uh, and like guards with his shot blocking capability do not exist. And the Cavs, like, fuck it, go for a fun defensive center guard with your UDFA. And I, I like Craig more than I like Amani. Uh, I really, really like this draft. I, I'll give it a B plus for what they have. They came out and, and won. Yeah. All right. Last pick we have to talk about, and we'll only take a second here, but um, Tamani Kamara at 52 to the Suns. I don't have much to say here. This is a 52nd pick. Uh, probably gets a two-way. Happy for him. Uh, I know our boy uh, um, Nima has worked with him and is a big fan of his, and I hope he succeeds. And, you know, I've heard nothing but positive things about Kamara as a guy. I think any of us love him uh, as a prospect, but that date team was weird. Maybe he sticks. Saw a little passer, can do some things. Not a bad athlete at all. Kind of buy it. Uh, I'll just keep, I'll just run through these last two teams as well. The Knicks and Sixers did not make a pick. The Knicks. Pick Jacob Toppin up in UDFA. Whatever, I guess. I actually kind of liked him better than Obi, but I also would barely have drafted Obi. I would not have drafted Jacob, um, but as UDFA, he's fine. Sixers get Turk, Ricky Council the fourth, and Azuas Tubelis in UDFA. Um, really into Ricky Council here. Turk, I like as well. I think that's a really good bet. I think the Sixers have a really solid UDFA class there. And and uh, yeah, that, that's about all I got. Coopstone, do you have any kind of final thoughts on, on these three teams? Uh, bum, bum, and then like solid picks for the Sixers. Um, I really like, but besides Tabellus, like I thought the other two were great undrafted free agent pickup signings. Probably the best Lakers probably come in second here. Um, top in, I mean, I don't know what is like sibling nepotism. Is that a thing? Um, because the Knicks made it one. Uh, and then Kamara is like, uh, I, I think who they. Their first summer league signing, Trey Jamison was would have been a better pick here. Um, just yeah, I don't know. It's fifty two, so doesn't matter that much to if you miss on it. But um, probably fifty other guys I would have taken here at pick fifty two before I got to Kamara. Yeah, not my favorite, but Kamara I think can actually like play a role for the Suns. I guess Jacob Toppin. Uh, teams do love to bring in brothers. Um, I I know the the Rockets brought in Jay Sean Tate's brother. We brought in Aaron Eric Gordon's brother, Aaron Gordon. Uh, they do not play, but it is fun to have them around. Uh, I love the Turk pick for the Sixers. Let's not let's not compare those two because Eric Gordon's brother was like like not a guy. Oh no and, no I am not saying yeah. is a guy, but no like top, you're top right, it you're is right. semi a guy, but like it's. Like, I, I think Toppin will play in summer league, right? Like, he is a guy to that degree. But, uh, you know, he, he I don't think he touches an NBA floor anytime soon. Uh, Turk is skinny Eric Gordon in my mind. And I, I think Daryl Morey watched him bomb one three from 40 feet and was like, get this guy in my fucking gym. Uh, and then Ricky Council, I think is just super talented. The best undrafted free agent on my board and the most skilled undrafted free agent by like a solid margin. He's just super talented. He's got his warts, but I think they're decently fixable. And I, I am really excited 
And I hope he gets a chance to play in the league because he would be like the Sixers, like second best perimeter defender right now behind Melton. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's just talk briefly about this draft as a whole before we wrap this up. Um, this is a, so we're going to look back on this draft as a really good draft. I think there's probably five all-stars in here somewhere. Um, you know, if I were to make those bets, it'd be Vic, Scoot, Amen. Uh, maybe, I mean, after that, it does get tough, like where the all-stars come from. I think one of like the fallers will eventually prove people wrong, right? Like a, or at least followers on my board, like a Bryce Sensabaugh, Brandon Pods, um, or Cam Whitmore, like one of those guys, or even like a Leonard Miller also fell a ton for me. Like one of those guys, I think surprises and gets there. But like, I think this is a, a draft to look back on solid. The depth of this draft took major hits from NIL and the transfer portal and stuff. And we're going to continue to see that. I think every year we're going to have a lot, like age is going to become an increasingly important factor to me because I think there's going to be a lot less guys who are like, 21 in the draft and there's gonna be a lot more hey you have these freshman 19 year olds or freshmen you know maybe the 20 and 21 year olds might be freshmen and then you're gonna have seniors and super seniors it's pretty soon the super seniors will be done with the COVID stuff but still like it's gonna be a lot more 22 23 year olds in every draft I think that's just something we kind of have to prepare for and for me that's something that matters a lot for the NBA it kind of seems like it didn't like there were still a ton of one and dones in this draft but I mean even something like Brandon Miller going ahead of Scoop like Brandon is notably older than Scoot. And even, you know, Jaime Hawkins goes above Derek Whitehead or Bryce Sensabaugh, like notably older. Or Cam Whitmore, obviously. I mean, Cam Whitmore was super young, fell to 20 because um, he bombed some interviews. Like, I'm sorry, he's 18 years old. Um, you know, I, I just think uh, in general, like I think age is something that's going to matter a lot more for me. Um, you know, and if I keep doing this, I think some lessons I've learned from this draft are um, – Definitely follow my gut like early in the season with when I'm doing stats queries with, with guys I liked in high school. I've been in on pods specifically since uh be, the beginning of his senior year of high school. I was like, this is a guy I'm going to watch out for. He went to Illinois, barely played, transferred to Santa Clara. I'm like, hey, Santa Clara just produced a lottery guy. And then he started killing it early in the year. We were on Corbin's pod and I'm like, fuck, I'll take him at 15 or whatever. I took him super high in that and Corbin was like, I've never even heard of this guy. And he goes 19 and I'm proud of that call. Like I stuck with him and, and, you know, obviously like, I don't want to say I'm special. I'm not the only fucking person who liked pods. He had offers from Duke and Kentucky. Like, but I just think like, you know, I've kind of learned that a little bit. I, I, you know, and, and as we move forward, like I'm interested to see how some of this goes, like, do I over index age? Does someone like a Hawkes or Kobe Brown, do those guys hit harder than Derek Whiteheads and, and guys like that? So um, you know, that's kind of what I'm interested in. Coop Stone, you guys, you guys have any kind of final thoughts on this class? This is obviously not the last podcast we're going to record on this class because we're going to do a summer league preview and we're going to do summer league wrap-ups and, you know, preparing for next year and stuff. But uh, do you have any final thoughts on, on this class as a whole? Um, I really enjoyed this class. Um, I, I enjoyed, you know, pretty much the entire aspect of, of going through this class. Um, I think that <laughs> one lesson I learned was, um, don't speak too soon. <laughs> There's sometimes where I was really in on a player and I was like, oh, this dude's, this, he's him. Uh, and then, you know, I watched six more games and I'm like, he's not him. Uh, and then the other thing I've, I've learned is, uh, I've learned this not just from this class, but from classes prior but i applied it to this class i think more than i have ever which is just ultimately 
like we obviously we get into everything we know about these players ultimately like the very very top thing you should do is as cliche and you know un uh uninspiring or un um not not very detailed simplistic analysis as this is uh just go with your gut like uh, go with who you really believe in as a player and and don't let people dissuade you from that i think that's the biggest advice i could give to anybody that's doing any sort of evaluation work yeah the biggest thing i tried this year was uh just draft good basketball players um I really tried to kind of make that a central theme on my board um, and like guys who are talented and young and good um, and just kind of, I, I really tried this year to be super holistic with my board um, in like last year. I think I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I just kind of streamlined my, like the process and tried not to overthink everybody like Stone said, um, you know, just, just go with who you believe in and don't try to like apply a ton of different like things in your, like, uh, like philosophy is, is something that you should think about. And like, what do you believe in and why and about certain prospects and all that kind of thing, but don't let philosophy completely override your evaluation Right. And it's like if a guy fits into what you really like philosophy wise, but he stinks, uh, I think like that was something last year. It was like, if I liked you, I I liked you, even if even if you stunk. Uh, And this year, I kind of tried to be more holistic in that sense and kind of try and build my board in a way that is just who I think is going to be good in the NBA and, and who's not. And. I'm really proud of the work I did this season. I'm proud of the work all three of us did this season. Um, you know, this was one for the record books. Um, but this, uh, yeah, this class kind of kicked my butt. I hated the back end of it. And when everybody just kept dropping out, it's like this, oh, I had this guy 15 on my board and now he's not in the draft. Uh, it, you know, it had its ups and downs, but uh, this was a ton of fun this this whole season obviously we're gonna talk more about it but um just proud of the work everyone put in and proud of you guys and, and proud of us and thanks so much for listening to any if you this is the first pod you listen to of ours thank you for and uh you know check us out in the future and, and check out our old stuff if you're curious uh if you're a longtime listener we appreciate you more than anything um you know you're the reason why we get to do this and why i get to tell people it's my job to dick around with my buddies for four hours a day and and talk about basketball, right? Like it's so much fun and I I appreciate you guys. And yeah, that was very janky, but I I, I hope you guys get where I'm coming from. If there's a reason I do the emotional outros, let's be, let's be for real now. um, Yeah, this has been, this has been fun. And um, you know, it is sometimes hard to find the words, but like, I, I think the growth we've had this, this, this year, I've, I've said this a couple times on the pod, but it's really meant a lot. And it's been, you know, it feels like it's sort of been a testament to the work we've put in, in a lot of ways. And listen, we're not the best fucking marketers, you know, or, or, uh, 
we don't have like the the fanciest design on things. Though I fucking I think our website looks cool. I you know I I'm not an expert, but I think our website looks cool. You know, but uh, I, if nothing else, I want to be remembered. You know, whether that be, uh, you know, whenever we're done, I want to be looked back on as the people as the Potter people are like that. They fucking talk ball like they. You know, like they they went super in depth. They covered things with a lot of care and a lot of knowledge. And and um, you know, when we're wrong, we're wrong in an educated way. You know, we're not just fucking throwing. Uh, you know, I, I almost said throwing darts at the board, but that makes me feel bad because I love Chuck, and that feels like a shot. I didn't mean that. To, I didn't want something like that. But uh, um, no, that's uh, that's where we're at, and uh, we appreciate and love you all. And yeah, this has been the episode. Means to be a draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.